Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Imagine uh, the latest common steroid available at something in the region of 70 cent a day could have saved thousands of lives from COVID-19 and will going forward because it'll be with us for uh, I suppose forever, but when there's a vaccine, of course, all that will change. But this drug is called dexamethasone. It makes all of the papers this morning. In fact, some have it on their front page. 70 cent a day uh, will conquer COVID. I mean, it's an incredible headline. It makes the, this morning's uh, Irish Daily Mail. Steroid that cuts death risk in the sickest patients. Um, the papers this morning also have uh, interesting surveys, particularly the Irish Times, an opinion poll piece that talks about how do you think the government is handling the COVID-19 pandemic? 88% of those people that were surveyed said they were doing a good job. 9% said a bad job and three had no opinion. So 88% is a resounding um, example of support for how the government played this, which is kind of interesting uh, when you dig into the stats because we are the eighth highest country in the world with regards to deaths um, per million. So I don't know if that's anything to be celebrating or saying we did a good job on. We're the eighth highest countries like the USA, Brazil are ahead of us, the UK is ahead of us, Italy, France, Spain, uh, Belgium, um, uh, the Netherlands and then us. So we're quite high at 346 uh, per million. Uh, and that's nothing really to be celebrated. It's even more stark when you look at the, the 1700 uh, deaths in Ireland that a thousand and thirty of them, a thousand and thirty of them were in healthcare facilities. And that was the figure at, at May 31st. Just Google that stuff, those figures and stats this morning to give you some perspective. So, uh, you know, why they say that 88% of people say they did uh, a good job. I suppose tw- hindsight's twenty twenty at the at the same time. And meanwhile, with all the stuff that's going on regarding trying to cobble together a government, buried away in one of the papers this morning in The Independent is an article that says local councillors are going to get an €8,000 pay rise if they back the party's deal. If councillors, city and county... All over Ireland, this was the Independent is saying this morning. I think this would be on the on the front page, but who am I to judge? Um, if they back the uh, the deal between Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, and the Greens, they'll get an eight thousand euro pay rise. I mean, they're on pretty miserable money anyway. Uh, some might say that it's kind of a part time job. I don't know, but they're currently running seventeen or eighteen grand. It'll bring their pay from seventeen grand up to twenty five thousand euro. I mean, who in the private sector will get an increase like that? But you know, the, as the doll goes back, then there's a lot of stuff involving what you can and can't say in the doll. There's a thing called privilege in the doll, where you're allowed to say an awful lot of things that you wouldn't be able not to say it inside in a pub or to somebody's face or even behind their back outside the doll. But you get away with it in there. But there's a list of things now and insults that you can no longer use in the doll as we go into they've just updated the list I mean it's a funny thing really the, the terms not allowed in Dáil Éireann and the different types of uh, words and you know you can't be issues involving honesty deceitfulness fraud deception embezzlement perjury stuff like that but the ones I like are the insulting and abusive, abusive expressions that have been used in the past that you're no longer allowed to use like things like calling somebody a buffoon or a communist um, these are lovely ones a corner boy um, a fascist, a gurrier, a gutter snipe. Corner boy is good, but they don't have the cork equivalent to that, which is a, a gutty boy. Uh, a gutter snipe, hypocrite, uh, a bloody hypocrite, a rat, a scumbag, a scurrilous person, a yahoo. That's not a, that's not a search engine. It was a yahoo, is it just a total, absolute, pure, not or eejit, isn't it? Um, anyway, these are the types of um, terms of abuse now. A liar. 
I suppose you couldn't call somebody a liar, but you probably could say that they're engaging in untruths. Anyway, that may, I think it's going to be much du- much duller and more PC dog going into the next sessions. Anyway, more on that if you have any thoughts on terms of abuse. Text 0868104106. Pub meals, nine euro. You've 90 minutes to sit at the table and you've got to be out. And the meal must be worth nine euro. So what would that be like? Chicken and chips, a curry? Maybe an old slice of lasagna, a cheeseburger, fish and chips is probably out because they've never played fish and chips for nine euro. But that's the way it's going to be. And if it's nine euro in all of the pubs and restaurants, um, then they can stay an hour and a half um, and away you go. And they'll reduce the uh, two meter distance to a meter. So that's a change, isn't it? Um, I might come back to that as to what you could actually plate up for nine euro. Kerry's the only county now that's COVID free. There'll be no... You know, you'll just won't be able to handle the amount of talk that Michael Healy Ray will have in the coming days. I'd say, Kerry, the only county that's COVID-free for the length of period that it needs to be to be top of the league table. But the central bank this morning, the examiner says that we're only at the end of the beginning of the economic shock. I kind of had to stop for a while this morning and say, what does that mean? The end of the beginning with regards to the economic economic consequences, because the mirror says we're going to have three years of fiscal pain. Uh, the bookies opened yesterday, but they had to close again. And now with racing back and, of course, the premiership restarting tonight, they really have been blindsided and they're going to lose huge amounts of money. But the betting shops across the country are, are to be hit for up to five million, forced to close their doors after one day reopening. Apparently, a member of the public complained to the guardie, and that was the end of that. Rather than getting heavy with people trying to find them for dog fouling, down in Carrigaline, according to the Echo, they're just going to embarrass the hell out of people. And what have they decided to do with the municipal district? They've decided to put a hard-hitting graphic campaign about dog fouling. Good luck with that. Erlingus are bully boys when it comes to wages, according to the Mirror today. And that um, story involving the speeding off-duty Garda, Uh, who left the scene of a crash that killed a mother of three, walked free from court yesterday. Uh, He got a suspended sentence. There's a lot of people unhappy about that, and it's a story making all of the red tops from the courts this morning. Lines open at one 850 You can text 0868 Off we go. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, we'd like to ask all our customers to respect our dedicated times for our over 65s and family carers. Alright, a lot of texts following my conversation with Michal, yes, Michal Martin yesterday. I'm sick to my stomach with all this political crap. How many ministerial posts has Michal Martin held and he's had to show, all he has to show is the smoking ban. This is a joke and a slap in the face to the Irish people. How many counts did Hall have in the election before he got elected? That says it all. He's not wanted. People voted for change. And this is what they get. The same old, same old. Uh, Irish people are now stuck to pay two huge pensions instead of one. Uh, ministerial and Taoiseach. Uh, quite an amount of negativity yesterday, um, I have to say. I can't understand Sinn Féin. Them and the others made up 84 people, as far as I know. So why didn't they try and form a government? In my eyes, Sinn Féin don't want to govern, says the Baldy Barber. Somebody said yesterday by text, which was quite interesting, that 75% of the country didn't vote for, for Sinn Féin. Think about it that way. Uh, how could Mihal be good for Cork? Didn't the last government let the mail centre close, for instance? And uh, he was was part of the program for government. If he has all the ideas now to sort the problems, what's he been doing for all of his time in politics? It's just more of the same. 
Uh, and one or two more. Is there going to be a reduction in the number of civil servants and public servants to ease the pressure on the tax take? Are we going to borrow more money up to our necks again, says Pat? B. Hall Martin stumbled through your interview. You can be damn sure the timescale given as leader will entitle him to a full pension. Our TDs don't ever lose out when it comes to money. And that's just a selection of quite negative ones. There are some positive ones, and I'll dig those out as well uh, between now and midday. Lines are open on that if you have thoughts on it. one 850 um, But unfortunately, all too often we hear of businesses that just won't be able to cut it. Spoke with a solicitor yesterday who said that much of their business now at the moment is being dominated by sorting out businesses that are not going to reopen. A lot of them are pubs and restaurants. People are just saying, listen, uh, I just can't do it. I won't be able to survive with 30 or 40 percent to reduce or 34, 30 or 40 percent of the turnover we used to have. I don't uh, owe a lot. I don't have much debt. I think I'll call it a day. I mentioned that in advance of, in advance of my chat with uh, Chef Richard Milnes. He's also the co-owner of Dylan's in Timaleague. And unfortunately, uh, that's another uh, restaurant that just won't be opening after all of this. And he, he joins me by phone. Chef, good morning. Thanks for taking the call. Hi, Neil. Uh, and a jewel in the crown of West Cork, I'm told. D- did you just do the numbers, was it, and, and realize that it just under the current restrictions isn't possible? Yeah, I think, well, well, I mean, there was that, and I suppose as well, you know, there was the, the idea of, I mean, opening the restaurant in the first place was to offer customers a particular experience, you know. Um, like, we, we were growing a lot of our produce at the back, and, you know, we, we only did one sitting, and at a small restaurant, 20-seater, and, you know, it just didn't make sense, A, financially, and B, it, it means we can't offer that experience anymore, you know, and it completely changes what, what I wanted to do, you know, when I, when I opened in the first place. How does it make you feel? Um, it's I'm only it's kind of slowly sinking in. You know, it took a while for us to come to the to come to terms with it and 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 to announce it. But you know, it's not until you announce it that it actually hits home. Um, so I suppose the last forty eight hours have been kind of a bit up and down. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's devastating, really. You know, I mean, it's, it's I worked worked at it for the last six years and I put everything into it. And you know, as you, you probably know, if a small business like this, there's just two of us running it. You give it everything you have, you know, you give it 150% and, uh, you know, for it to come to a stop in this way, mm. you know, it's just really galling. You know, it really is. Yeah, I was talking last week about the closure of the, the pepper stack down in, in Ahada under similar circumstances, but a 20-seater, what would it have been reduced to, Chef? Well, I mean, realistically, we'd have been looking at kind of 10 to 12. Now, I know they were saying, you know, what the, the measures announced this morning were saying that you could have one metre distancing if people stay for 90 minutes. But, you know, again, that's not that's not the kind of experience we're offering. And, and you know, it just changes the, the business completely. And we weren't re- willing to kind of restart another style of restaurant um, because it's like starting a new business and you're starting that going into what, what will be, I think, a pretty big recession. Um, and people are quite wary, you know, People are scared, you know, going out and dining out has changed. You know, you even notice it walking down the street and if you get too close to someone, some, you know, some people will be kind of jumping out of your way with fear. And that's not, you know, that's not the kind of uh, experience I want people to have in a dining room. Um, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. And, and were you, are you saying that all of your veg uh, and everything you were growing organically behind the restaurant, was it? Yeah, behind the yeah, there's a little plot of land that we, we started working on when, once we moved in and it was it used to be a kind of dumping area so we cleared it all out and, and put up a, a polytunnel and kind of raised beds and stuff like that um, and I started yeah, growing, growing a lot of my own produce. 
And do you think, and that's why you got a five-star rating and all of the best food guides, and I was just reading from an article in, in Cork Bio this morning, it's very sad, but do you think there'll be many other restaurants and food offerings of your size that also will be making these kind of similar announcements in the coming days and weeks? Well, I would imagine there is, because I mean, I think a lot of the people that go into and open a restaurant, like, like my one, um, it, it's because they want to offer the customer a particular experience. You know, it, it's very rarely a restaurant like mine opens, you know, that's financially motivated. Um, so I think there will be a lot of them because, you know, you do, you, you run it, you know, at the bare minimum. And so if something goes wrong or like we, we had just reopened after the winter and, you know, we, we got all our stock in and all that. We opened for the first weekend and then suddenly we were told we had to shut our doors. Uh, you know, so when, when you put that kind of financial pressure on a small business, it's just not possible for them to keep going. So I would say there will be a few more. And I think there will probably be an initial boost in business uh, because people want to get out. But I think, it, it, you know, uh, after that, I think it's going to go very quiet. And particularly with tourists, which were where a lot of our business were tourists, foreign yeah, tourists, um, yeah. they just won't be coming in, you know, or, or we don't know whether they will or won't. So, you know, it's, it's a big risk then to pump money in to reopen. And then if they don't come, you, you know, you end up closing in bigger death in November or January or, you know, it's, it's just so hard to tell. So it's the summer market that you really need, like closing the doors temporarily and reopening again later in the year, for instance, when the meter distancing is all gone and you can get 20 and that's not a solution. You need the summer trade. No, no. Yeah, you need, you need the summer trade. You know, you need the festivals. You need, you know, people to be around. You know, there's a really big festival here. And the Harvest Festival in Timalee, you know, and a lot of, you know, the, the pubs here and stuff, they'd make, you know, the majority of their turnover for the, for the year would be that week and it would carry them through the winter, uh, you know, and with all those things cancelled, um, you know, like things like the, the parades in Court McSherry cancelled, the festival, the people just aren't going to be around for it in the same volume, you know, so it, it just, you just don't have that income. It's the um, little gems and nuggets that we're going to lose, like the little cosy, intimate restaurants that we're really going to, we're going to miss those if they go restaurants like well, yours that, that, that's it and I mean I'm sure look I'm sure a lot of a lot of places will be able to reopen but you know it's just the uncertainty it's the fact that I think it, it seems like the blind are leading the blind and they don't really know what they're doing they're saying you know you can reduce this to, to one metre if it's for 90 minutes but yet you can only spend 15 minutes in someone's home at two metres you know if people are driving to the restaurant and they're from a different household and they're driving in the same car and they have to come into your restaurant and then they have to sit you know, more than two metres apart because they're not from the same household. Yeah, I know. You know, yeah. I, I think it's just they, they, they don't really know what they're doing and they're just, just firing things out. And on the 29th of June, when a pub serves food, a table of four can be from four different households, like it can be four mates. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it just seems to me you know, like that they don't know really what they're doing. Um, you know, and the fact that it's, it's contradicting what the WHO had originally said with one meter, um, you know, and then the, the Irish government stuck to the two meters and now they're pulling it back. You know, if we, we haven't jumped the gun though, uh, Richard, because it will be one meter and it'll be announced fairly shortly. But even, even at one meter, you know, we've only, we've got a very small room. You know, it's a very small room, and, and like a, like I say, it was just the two of us running it, and it was kind of running at a baseline. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't pumping out huge profits every year at all um, by a long shot. So any little nick off that is huge. And I know. Some have missed most of our summer already. We have to try and financially carry our business through the winter. Then again, 
to next summer, not knowing what's going to happen next summer. But, you know, and, and we're so sole traders. So, you know, the money going into this business is coming out of our own pockets, you know. Um, and, and any losses are going to be coming out of our, our oh, own I know, it's well. devastating. Yeah, what, what's know, the so plan for, your, for yourself and Valerie? What will you do? Uh, well, well, to be honest, we're not sure yet. We have to kind of wait and see. I'd love to be able to reopen something else. And in the future, maybe, maybe, yeah, and and, and work around whatever restrictions have been given. Try and work something around that, and then and then and then do that, you know. Um, But it's my life, you know. I've been cooking since I was fifteen, so it's kind of all I know. And and from the industry that I'm in now, to be kind of turned on its head, it's it's uh, yeah, it's a very well. As you put so much effort into your food and organically growing much of all of your veg and different things like that, I suppose that you're ethically sourcing everything. Uh, at the same time, then we're wondering what can a restaurant or a, what can a bar cobble together for nine euro? Um, it's, it's kind well, of bittersweet, it's, isn't mean, it? It is. It is. But I mean, look, it, it's you know, I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's suffering, you know. And I mean, they, even these places that, that are going to be open, that are going to put some throw something together to offer for for nine euros to get people in the door. I think if that's what they need to do, that's what they need to do. You know, it's, it's a tough business at the best of times. Um, you know, and I think uh, any little lifeline anybody's thrown is, is fantastic, really. I know, I know. Listen, whatever you plan on doing or restarting, do let us know and we can share it with the people of Cork. I know you have a heavy heart yeah. at the announcement, but um, maybe they'll yeah. be... Unfortunately, yeah. I don't think you'll be alone, but good luck with whatever you decide to do, all right? Thanks very much, Neil. Thank Take you care. Chef Richard Milnes uh, and uh, one of the co-owners himself and Valerie of... Uh, um, wonderful, wonderful restaurant down in, in Timaleague. Actually, uh, Dylan's in Timaleague. I also heard the other day that uh, Jam is gone, uh, all of the Jam locations. I think, the, I know there was one in uh, the Garden Centre in Hanley's, another one in Ballancolleg and also in Kenmare and things like that. The numbers just weren't adding up for them. Um, so it's unfortunate. I think it's the smaller nuggets, you know, those little bespoke, uh, little beautiful ones, uh, intimate ones, cosy ones. They won't be able to come back at all because even one metre won't be possible. People that do 20 or, or 30 uh, seats. What would you get for, for nine euro then? Uh, be interesting to get a chef's perspective on that, particularly a chef that's going to be uh, putting together the meals for the pubs for Monday week and what have you. Nine euro, uh, one metre uh, distance, and 90 minutes to eat it and get out. Back after the break, Terry standing by. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Text 0868104106. Terry standing by. Terry, good morning. Neil, good morning. How's it going? I'm good. You know, you know the deal now. This is fall to Ireland. They're putting together a blueprint which they'll give to government and apparently government will accept it that if pubs can serve a meal at lunchtime and also have meals available at night for nine euro, um, they can go down to one meter distancing. That's the proposal. Yes, I had read that last night. I suppose I was first. I was surprised first of all to see the fall and Actually, I wasn't aware that they had actually kind of, I suppose, had power to make those decisions over pubs. Um, I wasn't aware that, that the pubs were actually had to be in line with what fall and recommended. Well, but the restaurant association and pubs are delighted with it. Uh, they called it a game changer. Right. I mean, like, I, I'm thinking about the pubs. I mean. Pubs that don't have the facilities there for these meals. Uh, you know, a bar, a pub, a, a, a proper Irish pub, we'd say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, are these pubs supposed to be turning out meals 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the evening? But they'd only have to have one, wouldn't they? Like, they'd just have to have an offering of uh, sa- la- lasagna and salad, 9 euro. Someone still has to cook it, I suppose, you know, I suppose, Neil, there's many bears around rural Ireland with one person only walking at night. But all you have to do is get a catering company to send you in a big, huge slab of it, uh, or get somebody else. How much of it will go in the bin? 
There's some pubs will only attract three or four men maybe in an evening there on a Saturday night in rural areas. Are they all going to sit down and have lasagna at 10 o'clock at night <laughs> on a Saturday night? I don't know why I'm laughing because we are talking about lifeline. We are talking about people's businesses. Maybe they just have to put the lasagna up in front of them and they don't have to eat it, but they have to pay for it. But crazy. And the, 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 latest, the latest crowd on a Friday, Saturday night, are the hours changing? Are like pubs half 12 close, is it, on a Friday and a Saturday night? That's if, if a very interesting eating? point. Like a pub on a Friday night can serve until half past midnight out for one, isn't it? Half past midnight, yeah. Um, last call, I think, yeah. So, I mean, are they supposed to be doing meals up until lasagna? Who's going to be eating lasagna at midnight? But you're like... For Garfield, the cat. I mean, <laughs> who, who, who will have interest in that? If someone is after their dinner to go for a pint, you have to go down and, and have another dinner down at the pub. What would be a good example of that? Like, say, for instance, um, uh, the Homer on Shandon Street. What's the one across from it? The Old Reliable. What, what are they going to do on the 29th of June? Oh, my God. God only knows. Um, Who's the know. publican we talked up at the top of Gron? A, a fancy of... cashew nut salad or something? No, that what, no. a bag of nuts shared by four guys won't do it. We'll throw it into a lot of mixed salad, pick up some bags of mixed salad and throw all the nuts into it or something and throw some seeds well, you, you could have You could have a seasonal nut salad for nine euro. You could, and you could have a fine pain in your gut next morning with a few points on top of it. But what, what are we going to do, like, if people want to get back to business and people, like, they're absolutely hemorrhaging cash? You know, they got to get open. I'm, I'm not sure how they're going to deal with it. And can you see, honestly, can you see this working? Like, I mean, if you're 90 minutes, so if you go into the pub at half 10 on a Saturday night or 11 o'clock on a Saturday night, that's your 90 minutes. You also know that you have to book your time. You're aware of that? Yeah, you have to book your slot. I mean, crazy. Like, like okay, so if you were downtown before, yeah, you, you right. The good old days, we'll call them. Yeah. Three months ago, four months ago. Yeah. You're saying the pub, right, lads, I have to pop out there and get a bit of cash out of the ATM. You're walking on roll, bump into someone you haven't seen in a few years. Oh, what's the crack? Yeah, we're inside having a pint. Oh, you can't actually come in now because you're not on the booking at all. You know, this kind of thing. Uh, but, but they're the times we live in. It's just but, we have... And we've already just accepted these are the times we're living in, like, I mean, is there any talk about actually trying to get out of these times we're living in? It's just, you know, these rules seem to be coming in, but they seem to be coming in to stay, like, no, it's really accepting that they're here to stay. No, I, I don't think so. I think everything's temporary in the world that we're living now. I mean, think about when there's a vaccine. Or I think this... of the expense that people will have to be put to in the meantime for the, for the for this fix, this this fixed amount of black and yellow the, tape that's going to have to be. But put this up. this isn't a this isn't um, a, a green card to allow people go go drinking. This is allowed to allow businesses get open. Um, uh, where they would have the ability to serve food, where people can go out for a meal and have a couple of drinks. It's not... So it's the, that, the, the, yeah, but that, it'll be the, the, pub, the pub. The pub will be gone. It'll be restaurant bars type, like, like we'd say, we you'd say around Europe and stuff. The yeah? pubs themselves, if things go according to plan, would be the back end of July. Right. And that's a, a longer wait again. I mean... I know. That's I know. Long, I know. Longer time again with the doors shut, you know? How, how are they even going to get around to open the end of July? Is another... Or six weeks out again from that, like. So Saturday night, or Friday night, 11 o'clock... It'll be the yeah. very same as seven o'clock because you'll have booked your table. There'll be four of you or six if it's the family and you'll have your lasagna and you'll have your two or three drinks and you're out in 90 minutes. I don't know whether you'll get out with indigestion. And you, go or home and, you, and you go home and you lie into bed then and, and, and in a few months time then they'll be telling us we're all obese. <laughs>
Well, that's another day's work, I suppose. Crazy, so who wants to be eating at that hour tonight? All right, let's get some more thoughts on this. Thanks well, for that, Terry. Come here, I'm, and I'm all for the post reopening and fair play to when people were trying to make changes and stuff like that, but how many are going to have their hands tied on this? I know many pubs where you could win. There's no facilities for cooking lasagna or doing anything No, like that. I, you, no, yeah, but that's where a catering company comes in and you cater, you get it brought in, you get it prepared for you. But there are there are pubs that are just drinking pubs and they'll never want to have food and they just won't open uh, Monday Absolutely. week. Absolutely. I mean, take a drive down to, towards McCroom. How many pubs are you going to pass there going through Ballyvornium places? Catering companies going down there with lasagna on a Saturday night for three men sitting inside in the bar, twiddling their thumbs. All right. <laughs> okay. We're having I a just p- can't see how it's going to work. The fellas having the point in the show. Yeah. Your interview with Michal Merton yesterday, yeah. I thought it would be a good template for any upcoming journalists and reporters going forward on how an interview should be done. Miriam O'Callaghan and Pat Kenny could stand up and take note as well because I've heard many politicians on the radio in the last few months and there was no one was interviewed yesterday like he was. Fair play for it. Oh my God. In questions in line with your previous evening echo column shooting from the lip you remember it many years ago many many years back you're very kind to say right. that Terry it makes it all worthwhile you were shooting from the lip yesterday appreciate it topical and thought provoking was the subtitle of it and that's exactly what it was yesterday fair play to you cheers kid there's a, there's a peach of pizza voucher in the post for you stay on hold we get an address from you get it out to you kind words Paul, Tra- Paul Travaux um, uh, actually has a super restaurant on Killarney and I've asked him to just uh, have a little bit of thought as to what could be cobbled together in a pub Monday week for nine euro. What could you plate up? But ahead of that, regular contributors to the program, Paul Walsh from Three Little Piggies. Morning. Good morning, Neil. Are How are you? Are your tables and chairs in or out on Union Quay? Uh, there's a few tables out. Are you getting any grief? No, getting none whatsoever. You got you got the green light, didn't you? Everything's fine. No one's going to. Well, the uh, Department of Health emailed me and told me basically that um, it was a local authority issue. The Department of Justice just kept bouncing my emails back to me and they didn't confirm that I was breaking the law. So. You're a drive on. Drive on, exactly. Oh, come here, come here. Forgiveness is easier than permission. Yes, it is indeed. No, right. you said it. Now, tell me, tell me all about this plan, right? Um, there has to be a lunchtime meal. I know that you don't have a pub, but I'm interested in your thoughts on it. You have to provide a lunchtime meal and also evening meals. They must cost nine euro. The, the rule is you can stay for 90 minutes, book your table as a punter, and then if all of this works out, um, they get the, the thumbs up, then, then the, the two metre goes to one metre. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, my time in the bar trade, I always was involved with food and sports. Now, the Premiership is back at the moment. It's going to be there for the next couple of months, and hopefully the Championship comes back to GAA. All these games run into an hour to 90 minutes, even sometimes into 110 minutes. Now, are you going to ask your customers to come in and have a meal, which a lot did in the Toman Bar, for example, had a meal, watched the game and everything like that, and then tell them, well, lads, you can't watch the end of the game, you're going to have to go. A lot of the bars in the city centre are sports-orientated that do food as well. Now, trying to squeeze a game into 90 minutes isn't going to work. And all it's going to do is encourage people to leave that bar, go to another bar, and all of a sudden, what the government are telling us to no, do... No, they can't go to another bar. They can't, no, unless they have two booked for different times. Then they have to have well, two, the, the, they have to have they two meals. Have two they could have two booked, and people will work around it. And all of a sudden, they're increasing the amount of contacts they have, which the government don't want us to do. That's an interesting thing that you'd book, say, for instance, Barry's for 8 o'clock and you'd book Jono's for half nine. 
Yeah. Now, in the Toman down the years, we always got groups of lads in for, for the sports, and they loved their sports. And a lot of them did have a meal in there, say, uh, let's say half past 12 kickoff. There'd be a lot of lads in there that have lunch, they'd watch the soccer game, they might stay until three or four, they'd move on to another bar and watch the half five game somewhere else. It was a day out from, they'd finish at eight or nine o'clock at night, but it was their day out. And lads will do that on the weekends again. They will book somewhere else. They will go somewhere else. They will probably have another meal. But all of a sudden, the amount of contacts that they have have doubled and trebled from what the government... How? how, how? It's, the same, it's the same four lads at the same table. They're not con- in contact with anybody else except themselves. Neil, you know yourself that's not going to happen. They're going to another bar and all of a sudden they're in a different environment and the amount of contacts are going to increase. I don't know why you guys are dissing this like. We have an issue with COVID-19. We're trying to get through the phases. We're trying to get back to the way we were. And people are just coming up with uh, putting spanners in the works. I mean, what, what, are you pro- what are you proposing? I'm proposing that if, if somebody books a table... They're going to, they can't uh, give them 90 minutes and say that's your loss and look, you might get a soccer game in and, and that's your loss. They have to increase that. I actually agree with it, but the time limit of 90 minutes is absolutely crazy. So if you're lucky enough to get a table, it should be yours for the night? Well, maybe not for the night, but certainly 90 minutes. They should at least double that and give people time to enjoy it. And, the and then someone gets half langers and they want to, Johnny's over the other, Johnny, how's it going? Come on over here for a couple yeah. of minutes. Like, see what I mean? <laughs> Obviously, all that is going to have to be placed, obviously. But it's, 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 it's not going to work at 90 minutes. Okay, the 90 minutes is an issue. All right, let's see. Okay, appreciate that, Paul. Good luck for now. Take care. Let's see what O'Sullivan's bar make of all of this. Donald O'Sullivan's the governor down there in Douglas. Donald, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Had you, had you planned for two metres and had you done work on it? Because you do food all day long. I mean. Yeah, no, no. We, 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 we were, we, we, we had a crystal ball and we were, we planned for one metre. We felt it was going to be that. So we, we, that's the way we, we, did, we, the bar set out at the moment. Really? Okay. I know others yeah, like, yeah. like Clancy's had invested huge money in the two metre rule. I mean, they're going to have to adapt their plans now and a lot of that money's probably lost. Well, um, I don't know anything about Clancy's. Uh, like, I think it's foolhardy getting ready for something when you didn't have the... The only one to make money out of this is the fellow selling the two-metre stickers to all the places. But, um, okay. no, we, 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 we were looking for the one-metre. Uh, and, you know, they, they, they were talking about this for the long, long way back, so we felt it was going to happen. Okay, so what do you make of this plan, then? I, I, I have nothing negative to say, Neil. I'm just delighted to have a green light, in the, you know, that we can open on the 29th. I think 90 minutes is a guideline. I don't think anyone's going to argue with 15 minutes either way. It's, um, you know, and it's, it's a positive step back. And, and, you know, in that 90 Well, 15 minutes, minutes either way now means a table for two hours, possibly. Well, 15 minutes up to 90 is a one hour for it. Anyway, it, 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 but nobody, like what they don't want is, is to overstay it and that you have to go to the toilet a number of times or, or you have the fellow that's overstaying his, and he might have the extra few drinks. They don't want that. I can understand why with the COVID-19 uh, and uh, you know it's, it's, it's a green light to go at one metre and if this, is, if this is what they want this is what they will get And for the rest of the pubs then uh, that don't do food will that be August 10th or will it be No, no, no that's July 20th tw- that, So that August got 10th. moved up then into the it July 20th and, uh, That even could get brought forward another week or so we don't know that yet but you know we're only talking a couple of weeks like this and, and, and I heard John about there about the half 12 closing and everything like that that's July 20th. Right now we're dealing with bars that are opening as restaurants that have a history of doing food. 
I know, but there will be bars that don't have a history of doing food are going to do food now as well, aren't there? They won't, they won't, they won't. There's guidelines coming into that. You have to have HSE, HSE um, uh, food business certs and stuff like that. It isn't the case. Are you 100% sure about that, that you need that to... That will come out. That will come out. It hasn't, yeah, though. Yeah. I mean, it, nothing's uh, been said about... If you read the fault of ones, it, it nearly is there. Like, it isn't the case where you, you, have to, you have to be registered with the HSE to do food. It isn't the case that you're going to open a bag of nuts. No, no, I'm not saying that. No, no, I'm just saying because on, on last week, the interpretation I had was that you don't have to have a restaurant license. You no, no, don't no, have no, no, not a restaurant cert, but you have to have be registered with the HSE as and, in that you have a kitchen. It's not a restaurant cert. It's a, it's a HSE registration. So my idea of bringing it, getting catered, getting catering companies to bring you no. in a big tray of lasagna won't no. fly. No, 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 no. So you have to have a refrigeration to store it and everything has to be done correctly. Like, you know, Heating the lasagna in the microwave won't cut it. Okay, so it will be bars only that have in the past had food. So what can you serve for nine euro? Um, like, we have a full menu, so you like we'd be hoping to that 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 they would come in and order their dinner and have a few drinks for their dinner. You know, like like you would in any other restaurant. Right, right, okay. So, yeah, this changes it because I thought this gave an opportunity to pubs that never did food to serve main courses of a lasagna or chicken and chips for nine euro. You're saying no, no. only pubs that serve food in the past would be able to open Monday only, week. Only, only ones that were registered with the HSE as having a kitchen and that are that are inspected regularly by the HSE for food hygiene and stuff. Like that. They're the only ones that would be open to food. Okay, so this doesn't give um, uh, open door policy to pubs who never did food before. No, no. Okay, no. And, history, history. and what happens then if a, a, four guys then decide to book a table at eight o'clock with you, and at half past nine in Barry's, and at eleven o'clock in the East Village? Um, is, no, no, is, no, is that no, potentially no, going to happen? No, I wouldn't think so. No, 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 no. I mean, like, like we're we're we're. We're, we're an adapted society, like we've all adapted. I don't think, like we're only literally talking maybe two weeks of this or three weeks of this until the 20th of July. Like, so I don't think that that's going to happen. And, and, and places don't do food after a certain time anyway. Like, like we're, we're cut off point is going to be half eight, quarter to nine for the last orders. So like, um, you'll be there till about 10, half 10. And then what happens at half past 10? Do you close? Uh, yeah, under the new guidelines, I suppose we do close until the 20th, you know, and then then I presume it's back to regular licensing. Okay, so the, there are not regular licensing hours then because you won't be serving a pizza at midnight? No, we won't be, no, 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 we will adhere, we will adhere in, 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 a, in a proper way and conduct ourselves properly. Okay, and are you, have you a booking system put in place now? Are yeah, you ex- yeah, you can book, you can book online on O'Sullivan'sBar.e and uh, we're, we're nicely, we're nicely heavily booked the Monday night, the first night is full. Uh, the Friday and Saturday nights are full for the first weekend, and uh, there there is room midweek. And uh, you, but you have to book for um, in the morning for lunch, everything. Other than that, we will accept walk-ins at the time, but they will have to fill out the the online booking form for contact tracing and stuff for that. Okay, and and it's a, yeah, of course. Uh, and four buddies can come in now. It's not a family at one table. Those guidelines haven't been actually released yet, so I, I'm not going to answer that question. Well, anyway. the vintners told me on Monday that if it's six at the table, they have to be family. If it's four at the table, it's buddies. Well, if that's the case, uh, we, 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 we will adhere to every guideline that we were given. We're, like, we're just delighted, delighted to be opening. You know, I'll do exactly what they say. Okay. And your bookings that you have now, there for 90 minutes. What happens then? Do you ask them to go and sling their hook? Well, we, 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 had, we had capped it at two hours anyway. 
uh, and we really had capped it at one hour 45 because we needed 15 minutes to clean up and wipe down the table. So, you know, I, that 15 minutes, I, I, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's a guideline. I'm, I don't think there's anyone going to be able to stop watches for the, that 15 minutes. But, uh, um, you know, we need time to prepare the place for the next customer as well. And also we need to be able to turn tables. And, and, and the idea of somebody coming in there and staying three hours after the last couple of months, we need to, we need to actually turn figures and serve food. So, you know, is, it, is there a limit on the amount of wine or pints or gin and tonics a person can have in that period? No, 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 no. no but okay. Uh, like you know, we, we can you can you can look for the negative. All I'm seeing is positive that we're opening. Oh, I, no, like, fair I, play. I okay. can't see one ounce of negative in this at all. Okay, but for those that don't do food, they have to cool the jets for another few weeks. That, that's the twenty. It's all like, but everything's moving so fast. You know. Um, right. Hopefully that might be moved up again because like we, we have a late bar business that we're looking to get back to as well. I, I can't see that until maybe September, hopefully, if the, if the figures are right. Um, you know, we have other aspects of our business. We have, we, we have 70 staff. You know, we won't be bringing all them back straight away. Uh, um, you know, we're just excited to be back, you know, that we're looking at open. Great stuff. Let's finish on that optimistic, positive point. Thanks for taking the call, Donald. Donald O'Sullivan of Sullivan's Bar. Booking up fast, lads. If you want to get a table there, check them out online. Seamus, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, what's your take on all of this? Oh, I think it's all just one big bandwagon created by the government to distract people from what's really going on, which is the formation of a, uh, a government that uh, people didn't vote for. And... Um, yeah, just uh, when you look at all of these recommendations and rules and regulations, none of them are actually uh, um, practical for all practical purposes. Like a number of businesses have lost at least a quarter of business completely for one year. How they're supposed to uh, change their rules even within the next number of months to adhere to two metre or one metre distancing and the logistics, not to mention the logistics of it, it's, it's virtually impossible. Yeah, but and many companies that have already, well, many, many retail companies that are up and running have done just that. They have adapted. They have for now, but it won't last, as you said, like with some other sectors, like, um, you know, within the food industry, uh, you know, the, 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 the net effect is um, um, requiring people to make um, decisions like pre-booking and the like. It's not practical. It's just absolutely, it's, it's impossible. So, but but hang on a second. Like, We've all yeah. booked a table in the past for a restaurant. There's nothing really different about this. You know, it's not, a, it's not, it's not um, open season on going to the pub for drink yet. But yeah. it is open season to book a table to go and have a couple of drinks and food. And that was normal procedure before all of this. You booked your table. Oh, it may have been at some level, but, you know, what's the loss going to be at the end of the day? When people wait up, what's the loss going to be? Like, it's not practical. It's just not going to work. I mean, if they can allow skills to go back... Um, you know, and and, and uh, effectively, you know, have no social distancing. I mean, how you could ask a, a toddlers or young children to social distance to the tune of a metre or two metres, it's just impossible. So realistically, and they were probably, well, they were stated to be one of the main carriers at the beginning of the pandemic. Maybe not the case now, maybe it's um, different, has been proven. But, you know, it's just not practical. Like, they can talk about all the recommendations they want uh, the government, the government are just there really at the minute in the last number of months to distract people from what they really were trying to vote for a number of months ago. And now they're, they're creating uh, spin. And Mr. You know, the Mr. Bradford, he's, he's excellent. He's a great spin artist at the end of the day. He did a good job making his statements and speeches, but he's quite... Oh, I know, I know all of that, but we have to... distracting move. his audience. You know, uh, he wants you to hear what you want to hear, what he wants you to hear, but... But, it, okay, um, fair enough. He is good at those kind of things, but we have to move through yeah. the phases. We must move through yeah. the phases. Um, and 
we moved through the phases the country will, but what's the loss going to be? You know, ultimately, what's the loss going to be? There's a long term, um, you know, there's no long term plan on this. Like, you know, they can talk about uh, companies operating within certain restrictions for like three to six months or whatever it may be. Come the end of year, what are the the books going to say when it comes to? But should we know about that? We know that it's going to be. We know that it's going to be devastating for some years to come. That's yeah. why we got to come up with some sort of a plan to allow all sectors of society to get back in business. Like, you know. I just wonder, how, well, do you have to think how much, you know, realistically, like, you know, even within a restaurant, one to two meters. I mean, you know, to bring it down to brass tacks, if somebody sneezed or whatever, what's going to happen next? So, you know, well, what, it's, okay. it's so not what, actually practical. So what are you proposing? Just I don't have a proposal. I'm not in government. <laughs> well, some are saying that you know all, all restrictions should be lifted and we just get just get on with things. I think at some point, yes, I think they should just get on with things, you know, play maybe week to week or something like that as, as businesses open up. But they really just have to let the strings off. Now, you know, take away the reins, then it's a let it go now, let it be free, let let business get back to normal. All right. And okay. then you, you got to hope at some level, because if, if it is a pandemic, you know, we're not, I mean, they, they, you know, there is travel within the country, there's travel to and from the country as well. We'll get caught either way. So I know they try to uh, mitigate the situation, but realistically, it's just not practical. They Talk about all the recommendations and you know, uh, you know, you know, the, the advice and so on. But people will be people. They'll they'll, they'll get back to normal very quickly. And when they when the doors open up, let it go back to normal. The country needs to make its money back. All right, like okay. and, uh, appreciate that. Thanks for taking know. the call. Much obliged. Still lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Throw the doors open. He says. Uh, John Roach is on one. I hope he can hold. And Heather as well. Just after these. Talk to Neil Printerville now. Eighteen fifty one zero four one zero six. Red. FM. And you can text 0868104106 to line one. John Rose, John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, what do you make of all of this? I think it's a crock of gold, as they'd say, but what's the difference, Neil, of sitting down in a restaurant and eating or sitting down and having a pint of beer? So sitting down and having a pint of beer will give you COVID virus, or sitting down and eating a meal and drinking a pint of beer, you won't get it. What is the difference? Um, I suppose it's that if you're having a meal... You're there and it's more leisurely. You're consuming food. You might have a couple of drinks. If you're there for an hour and a half, two hours, only in a pub, you're drinking an awful lot more. You're moving around, chatting with mates, hugging, shaking hands, going for a fag, meeting strangers. It's kind of a different social environment. Am I making any sense? Ish, Neil. Ish is the answer there, Matt. If you're going in for a point, there's you and the barman touching your product. If you're going in for a meal, there's you, the chef, the kitchen worker, and the waitress touching your product. That surely must put you at a higher risk than you may interacting with one person. Listen, if we're really to be absolutely honest, and I've said it in the past, all you need to do when you talk about risk is go and walk down any supermarket aisle from one of the big supermarkets, and you'll see that's where the real risk is, um, because you're, right. you really are up on top of each other there, reaching for things, touching things. Uh, people don't have gloves on. They're picking up veg or they're picking up cans. Or you know, you know, you know what I mean. You know, I understand that, Neil, but I think it's a crock the way they're just promoting people in restaurants. What's wrong with the the the, the single little barman that's on his own in his pub, just serving a point to a couple of guys, observing the the, the rules, keeping them at different tables and things. Why, why are they more at risk than the people in the restaurant? Uh, that's July twentieth for that. I understand it, but why should the, the people serving food get the advantage? I don't understand it. Yeah. They're all in the same industry. It's the same It's the same thing. You think it should be all or nothing then, is it? That's exactly what I think. All or nothing. 
Okay. Will you be going anywhere or booking any table Monday week? Uh, no, highly unlikely, Neil, highly unlikely. And does your pub where you go do food? Uh, no, none of them. All right. And so they won't be opening any time soon then? I, I, I'm in a small village in Hassett West with three pubs. None of them do food. So... I, I will have to travel and would be more expensive in taxis if I had to go for food and drink. All right, so Passage will be a dry town for some weeks to come yet. Oh, it looks that way. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. Just a clarification, the guidelines aimed at facilitating the safe reopening of food service businesses from June 29th include pubs that serve food, not pubs, but pubs that serve food. So it would have to be... Um, pubs that serve food and meet other features expected of a restaurant may reopen. So it's very clear that it can't be a pub just deciding to adapt and to start serving food. Uh, this would have to be HSE um, registered, have to have a kitchen, uh, chill facilities, cooking facilities. Um, not a pub now that can cobble, cobble something together in the weeks ahead. So that's a clarification in that regard. Text 0868104106. I see some text there, which I can do. We've got a couple of minutes. Um, come back after the break and text up to 10. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850 104106. Red FM. Emails on my conversation yesterday with Hall Martin, uh, the man who will be Taoiseach. Congratulations to Hall Martin. I think he'll be an excellent Taoiseach. In my personal experience, he has all the credentials and was instrumental in many very successful initiatives here in Cork. I always found him sympathetic and proactive on my behalf in the past. His office always acknowledged my calls and emails and he took time out of his busy schedule to meet me. He's a charismatic Cork man. I wish him every success. He will always have my vote. Warmest regards. Interesting name. Colleen Rooney Youssef. Uh, disappointed to hearing Micheál Martin on the radio as the potential next leader of Ireland. It's the same old rhetoric and the same old ducking and diving. I voted for change, as did the rest of the country, it seems. This is certainly not the government the people want, so I think we need to call a snappy general election. This is an issue I would like to see the people of Cork and Ireland protest about the incoming government. I just wanted to say that Micheál Martin was so good to our family. He and Mary Rose were in constant contact with us when we had life-changing issues. He helped so much with getting things done for us, and this was at a very busy time in his political career. He didn't have to do anything for us. But having nowhere else to turn, we just went for it. Best of luck to a very kind and caring man, says Laura. People can't trust Micheál Martin. Before the 2007 election, he was telling everyone in Cork that Amgen uh, would not be pulling out a carry tool when the dogs knew on the street that they were. Lo and behold, after the election, when he got back in, he finally admitted it. And of course, he was part of the government that brought the country to its knees, even though he behaves as if we forgot that little detail. There won't be many bonfires being lit across Cork for him, uh, says Ken. Uh, And then there are other ones on that and lots more besides. One quick shout out. Could you please be so kind as to wish my brother Seamus Murphy and his wife Carmel. They live in Carrigadruhid. A very happy wedding anniversary. 25 years married. Yesterday, June 16th. Uh, This is from Anne. Uh, Seamus is my brother. A great brother he is too. I live and listen to you in Hong Kong. And I spoke to you live on radio on Christmas Eve. Perhaps you could send them my fondest wishes and congratulations from Anne, Peter, Ariel, Asher in Hong Kong. 
Oh, and if you're giving away any nice vouchers, would you keep them in mind? Love your show, listen live, and when I can't listen live, I listen to the podcast. Thanks, Anne. Job done. Look after yourself. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, we'd like to ask all our customers to respect our dedicated times for our over 65s and family carers. Okay, Professor Jerry Colleen was on the air with me yesterday morning and a lot of texts on that. Uh, he was talking about the return of uh, the pandemic. If things continue the way they're going and we need to be aware of it and we need to prepare for it. And morning, Neil, I'm a nurse. I've worked through and will continue to work through this pandemic. I really do not appreciate Dr. or Professor Jerry Colleen's comments about the current climate. Just because someone is old and belonging to the aging population doesn't make it easier for the families that have to deal with the deaths and don't have the opportunity to grieve properly. Regardless of underlying health conditions, occupation or race, we as a community and a country have to work through this tough time and negative comments like that are frightening. Jerry is scaremongering, says Paula. Every time anybody mentions the death, and he also yesterday, when mentioning deaths or indeed deaths of the elderly in our community, said that all deaths are tragic and all life is precious. But we do have to deal with the statistics and the numbers and the figures and the breakdowns of ages, Paula. You know, and it's very important because... Like yesterday afternoon, I was going back through emails and texts. Some of them I've had for so long, and my apologies for not getting everything on the air. But what I was doing yesterday, I was chatting with Brenda, but I was looking at some of the comments and some of the stories that we were covering and some of the people who were on air back in March, um, late March and and early April, and the amount of people that were in touch, uh, either experiences of nursing homes and healthcare facilities and no PPE and no guidance and total confusion it was actually quite scary. And of course, what happened then was uh, the, the, the figure for the amount of people who died in healthcare facilities in, in Ireland uh, was 1,030 to the end of May out of the 1,700 that died. And of course, we looked at the median age then of those that died because of COVID-19 and it turned out to be 83 years old. Um, so I think a lot of that, um, you know, I think the ball was very much dropped there. Uh, I don't think he was for a moment suggesting that people who were very old with underlying health conditions were already in God's waiting room. You know, that there are other texts saying things like that, incidentally. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, I will come back to a lot more texts, but let me just, there's a big response to this, actually, with regards to pubs that serve food. Jam is gone. They closed all their branches in Kerry and also their branches here in Cork, where they head to. You're right there. Uh, coming on radio like COVID is... Uh, Coming on the radio, I'll come back to that when that's proved. Uh, What's going on? What difference does it make if a pub serves a meal or not? Does the virus decide to stay away from pubs with food? This is the authoritarian state crushing small businesses. It's a joke. Uh, Patrick says, with regards to your nine euro meal, bring back the toasted special. (laughs) Well, I think I've clarified that. It's, It's not a pub that can now adapt to doing chicken and chips. It would be a pub that... In the past, had a restaurant and uh, had a kitchen and things like that. So what happens if you're staying in a hotel? Get out of the bar after 90 minutes? It won't happen. So if it's a table for four for friends and a table for six for families, is that a family that are living under the same roof or just related? More confusion there. Great to hear some positivity from O'Sullivan's and Douglas. Fair play to him. Very refreshing opinion and point of view, says Alan. Uh, and who is going to police these guidelines? The way you're talking, there'll be an obese epidemic at the end of this. This is clearly not going to work, in my opinion. Uh, morning. This is why John does so well. He's, as in John O'Sullivan, he's so positive and open to adapting to change. 
He's been excellent through all of this. Other publicans need to take a leaf out of his book. Well done, John, says Aideen. Uh, Donald was on with us there from O'Sullivan's and on their website now. I had a look at it earlier on. You can book a table. You can book a time slot in and out. And they say on the website, and yes, you can also have a pint. So lines open, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text 086-8104-106. And... Um, Page up there, if you don't mind. Let me see where I'm going with this. Uh, thank you. Heather's been holding since before 10. Heather, good morning. Morning, Neil. Okay, so you wanted to pick up on some points that Terry was making, is it? Yeah, I just thought she came across this very selfish thing as there's like loads of other small businesses that want to open and can't open till July. And restaurants are now being given the opportunity to open and bars are also being given the opportunity to open early with a restaurant license, but I don't think she gets that bars aren't opening. It's places that serve food are yeah. opening. Yeah, you can't you can't now places. just go into into the back room and do up a huge big pot of curry, for instance. No, and serve yeah, it to your you, customers for nine euro. Yeah, it's people with restaurant licenses. That's what I have heard, and like bars are opening in July, so like you know it's not an essential business or whatever per se so I think he's just come across very selfish as there's lots of hairdressers that are keen to open there's tattoo artists, there's beauticians people that are you know might end up closing down like everybody is hurting at the moment and the country's doing what we can to get back up and running like we can't just jump into it like you saw in New Zealand that they have two new cases like you know, all it needs is loads of people back to normal for everything to spike up again. So, but he's, he's asking a he asks a valid question. What happens at eleven o'clock on a Friday night in a pub um, that also serves food? Like, you know, will the kitchen still be open? Will uh, I think John yeah, was well, saying that bars will have to close earlier? Uh, well, I think that they do at the moment until the bars can open officially. But I managed a restaurant in Toronto for a couple of years and you'd serve food up till 2am so that was every bar and restaurant has to have a food menu so every single bar that serves drink has to serve food So There's no pub pub then, no? No, like the pubs like that are pubs, they still will have a menu like you'd go out with friends, it would just be like a normal bar and they might just have you know, like spring rolls and chips and peanuts or whatever but they'll all have a food menu like finger food or whatever and they will serve up to like 2am when so, did that when I, I mean year, years and years ago I used to drink at a pub called Mr K's down Victoria Street downtown but they didn't have um, they didn't serve any food just drink yeah well I lived there in 2015 to 2017 so I'm not sure like I had to do the food handlers and bar management courses over there and all that so all bars have to be is. able to serve food in order to open yeah and wow. like I was saying oh there was bars that we went into that they don't make the food on premises but you can order it and it'll be delivered in there so I think that's how some of them can get around that which is also a good idea you know because you won't have people completely uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. all that and uh, like a lot of European countries as well you know like you'll go out and you'll be able to stay out for the night and get a bit of food and you might go somewhere else, whereas I think in Ireland you're so used to like, oh, it's last call, we better order more drink. You know, everyone's in a rush to just 
drink loads. So I don't. Did you find the culture in Canada was different there, or was it a restaurant or primarily a pub? Was which was Uh, it? Well, where I was working was primarily a restaurant, but like we, me and my partner worked there, and we'd often like stop in bars on the way home or whatever, and even get a bite of of food there on the way home. And it was different. Like you could chat away to people and you mightn't plan on eating and then at the end of the night you might say sure we'll get something small and then you're kind of like sobering up and you're like sure we'll go home I think that would never happen here do you know I think it was good in a sense that like you mightn't want food people here go out of their way to not eat and get more drunk whereas there you mightn't intend eating but you'll smell the food and you'll be like sure we'll get a bowl of chips yeah, between us or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, and yeah, like, or a bowl of wings or something yeah, and like I think it's great, and it was great for the restaurant or for the business as well. Like you know, you tell people, oh, they do great food as well, so we'll go there instead. You know, we often have staff parties, and a lot of it will be based on the bars that do go. But to the Irish the food pubs. And stuff. I mean, I know it was a long time ago, but I worked when I went out first. I worked in a couple of Irish pubs, but there was no food served whatsoever. I worked in the Windsor House downtown. Yeah. It was a big Irish pub. Do you know it? Big, big. Uh, I, to be honest, I didn't really go to Irish fairs over there. My God, this was amazing. They had big Irish bands and everything. It was a really yeah. big Irish pub. Uh, but there was no food and it was just hard drinking. Yeah. Well, it could be different now, like since you were there, I'm not sure. But um, I thought it was great. Like there was just tiny little jazz bar we used to go into and like absolutely tiny. And they just played great music and you could order food and it would be from somewhere down the road like but you you didn't have to order but they had to just have the option there so I just thought it was a good thing but um, yeah coming back to your man I just thought it was a bit okay. Okay. disrespectful to you know all the frontline workers that have been working so hard to like prevent everything and we're trying to slowly get back to normal to be like oh I just want to open up as normal you know it's kind of disrespectful and selfish especially to all the other businesses that have to wait and there's lots of businesses that close down your man from O'Sullivan sounded great and he was delighted very to be positive, opening and very optimistic but it yeah. won't allow a pub now to open Monday week and uh, have a Deliveroo menu up on the counter that won't yeah. be allowed. yeah do you know what I mean yeah. that won't be allowed like maybe it should I don't know I mean yeah like, that could, could be. be a possibility I don't know like they should maybe think about that have Diver- yeah. Deliveroo options or Just Eat yeah. options you know what I mean where the food comes in I don't I don't know maybe yeah, like that could be a way for bears that don't have restaurant licenses and then maybe the restaurants would get a maybe the restaurants would get a bounce then as well as the pubs you know yeah exactly okay okay you're back home now I think were, were you were, were you in the natural food yeah. bakery on Paul Street yeah I was there then for a couple of years but they closed there unfortunately as well so back trying to look for work now again at the moment okay um, do you want to stay in 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 the in the service industry yeah yeah I love it yeah, I love food and I love interacting with people and all that. So hopefully I'll be able to open my own place someday. But for Fingers now, crossed. I'll be looking for work. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Good luck with that. Thanks, Heather. Thanks. Thanks for Neil, taking the bye-bye. call. I promised you to talk to Chef Paul Travaux down at Travaux's restaurant in Killarney. Morning. Morning, Neil. How are you, sir? I hear Michael Healy Ray, uh, um, you know, expounding the virtues of the County of Kerry, COVID-free for I don't know how long. All are welcome, apparently, he's saying. Do you hear that? Huge. Future Taoiseach. Future Taoiseach Michael <laughs> Healy Ray. Yeah? Are, you all, are you all prepped, though, for a bit of a summer? Uh, Neil, I tell you, you know what? I think what we've 
seen throughout this entire three or four months is A, they have no idea what they're doing and B, they're making it up as they go along. And for the small self-employed guy, we're just sitting here going, oh, for God's sake, lads, what is coming next? You do realise we're trying to organise everything. We're trying to get ourselves. They think they can just tell you this and then tomorrow off you go. Like it just, it doesn't work that way. Like to put it into context, when they said the hotels couldn't reopen until the end of July, Restaurants throughout, particularly in tourist areas, would have lost 40, 50% of their bookings because people couldn't travel. Mm. And then all of a sudden they bring it back and say, okay, we can open up to 29th of June now. Mm. And all those bookings are gone. People have made alternative arrangements. They've decided they'll postpone till next year and all that kind of stuff. So when you're seeing on Twitter anywhere from five to 10 businesses closing a day, you're just going, like, I don't think they realize just the extent of what their decision makes. I know, but either way, it wouldn't, like, I know that the horse is bolted now, but even if a tourist came in here, they'd have to quarantine for two weeks. So, like, that's... Yeah, absolutely. But, but, I mean, even, like, it's great that they've lifted the restriction from the county to, so that now anybody in Ireland can travel from the 29th of June. Yeah. But the reality of it is, is as excited as, as I am to open up uh, Monday week or whenever, the, the, the Monday, uh, yeah, Monday week, like, who am I opening up to? I mean, like, are, are the Irish people going to be travelling literally from the 29th of July? If I look around in Killarney and Kenmare, and I see all of the businesses that have reopened, and yet most of them, particularly the tourist places, like, you know, the little knick-knack shops and all that kind of stuff, there's nobody in it because, like, locals don't go to those shops. So who, who are we opening up to is, is the big worry. And uh, fingers crossed, and I think I know the Irish people are brilliant at supporting ourselves. We're great at killing each other, but we're great at sticking up for each other too. I think we will have a very strong Irish market this year. But again, it's, you know, I'll tell you in October if we did or not. I know what you're saying. Actually, we did some research there in surveys earlier in the week um, and back into last week on hotel prices. And I have to say, some of the Killarney prices and the Dingle prices are astronomical for hotel rooms. So I understand that they've yeah, got a shorter look, season and they've had to put their prices up. I mean, maybe it's inevitable. But, but I, I, I tell you what, I look, there's always going to be one or two who do something like that. However, there's one or two places, because like, I see it again on Twitter myself, oh, I was charged a thousand euro for two nights in this, blah, blah, blah. I mean, two years ago in that same five-star hotel, you were paying the exact same amount. You know, nobody talks about There's some amazing deals. I see them firsthand myself from self-catering to the guest houses to the small three-star hotels. I see there's absolutely fantastic deals as always available in Clarence. And I mean, look, people just need to shop around and it's very, very simple. If you see something that's costing you a thousand euro and you know it should only be four quid, don't piss and moan about it. Just don't buy it. Mm. So I mean, like, just move on to the next place. Vote with, you know, with your feet, obviously. I mean, but I mean, when you say a five-star hotel is costing you 500 euro dinner, bed and breakfast for two, that's what it cost last summer as well. Yeah, I know. I had to, well, okay, but I did have some examples of a, of a four day, a four night deal last year is the same price now this year for a three night. You know what I mean? Those kind of things. I understand yeah. that the, the summer season's been decimated for hotels and they need to maybe make some of it back. But I was going to ask you about what you can plate up for nine euro, but that's, that's kind of a mute point now because we now know that, of course, pubs that are reopening have to have restaurant uh, accreditation and have to have a kitchen. So they probably, on Monday week, will have a full menu anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's hard to know what, what places are going to do. The question really is, is who's policing it? Because you, you talk to the health inspectors, the HSE or the other crowd, and they're saying, no, it's them, no, it's you. and, that. and So, so who, who actually is policing it? I mean, it's very hard as a business. When I'm looking out the window of my place in Killarney and I'm seeing like people literally climbing over each other in a shop and I'm just going, 
like, and I can't have six or ten people in, in the restaurant. What, what people don't realize is, like, small business, small restaurants will do absolutely anything and everything to make sure their guests are comfortable when they come in and eat. So if I have, for argument's sake, 100 seats, I'm not going to fill them all if I'm making 60 people uneasy or uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm going to make sure it's right for them. Yeah. And that's the way it is throughout all these small family businesses. We, we make sure that when you walk in and when you walk out, you say, I want to go back there one day. And that's all we're trying to do. But having the government, if, to put it this way, if I walked up into Leinster House and said, right, lads, you're all on 350 a week now. We'll give you a shout when you're coming back, uh, when we need you. And then in two weeks' time, I say, lads, we'll need you in two weeks' time. And then a week later, I'll say, actually, it's another month. And then a week later, I say, by the way, you all have to come in in, in red know. socks. Yeah. Actually, no, I'm changing my mind. You have to wear blue and pink socks. I mean, that's exactly what these guys are doing. And we can't champion it just because some people think they've done a fantastic job. We can't, like forget the point that they've actually been brutal in some other things and the way they've handled with the economy we're not like you'll hear people saying all you're trying to do is profiteer I'm not all I'm trying to do is get back in trade make sure my staff are safe make sure more importantly but for don't, seasonal towns that they have a job this winter yeah but don't you, under, got, don't you understand that much of the decisions that are being made are being made um, as a reaction to the amount of people that are dying, the drop in that figure, the uh, suppression of the virus and the, the reduction in the amount of positive cases. And that's why things are changing like that as they, because we can, you know, like if, if, if the numbers no, continue. No, I, I, fully, I fully get that. But when, when we put in this five-phase plan, we were basing it on figures from pretty much not a million miles off two months ago. And, and now all of a sudden, so it's, it's more the logic behind it. How can people be allowed to go into a shop but can't sit down in a restaurant. So I'm you're making, you're making, you're alluding to the, the likes of Lidl or Aldi and their queues for a barbecue or the big huge Absolutely. queues with very little distancing at pennies and things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, since day one, and don't get me wrong, supermarkets have been absolutely fantastic. Otherwise, we'd all have starved. It's as simple as that. Supermarkets have been fantastic. But I'm not going to ignore the fact that when you walk into a supermarket and you're trying to pick a bunch of bananas, some fellow would throw his arm over your shoulder trying to grab a better bunch. So, I mean, let's not kid ourselves to say social distancing has been at two metres since day one. It hasn't. Yeah. And anybody who says it has, is just, they're just kidding themselves. So, and what I don't understand, and look, maybe the smarter fellows that are making all these decisions, I'm sure, but when, when you turn around and you walk in to say, when you see in a shop, what's the difference between like a shop being open and if they pick one place that can open, well then, if they were to let all the places open, surely the crowd would be diluted and we wouldn't be seeing these massive queues that we're seeing all over social media by trying to get into new shops that have just opened up today or drive-throughs. Yeah, but, uh, but, yeah, but say, for instance, a beauty parlor or a hairdresser's or a tattooist or an aesthetic clinic or a pub, they're all higher risk areas, particularly where you have alcohol. So that's, you know, because people, with a few drinks on board, you know, people relax. They, they tend to forget about the requirements of them in a, in a, in a pub yeah, setting. So I'm going to use myself as a bad example, so I use you. If you went into the hairdresser's, you've no drink on you, and there's no social distancing. They're opening up on the 29th. So therefore, social distancing... Is, is null and void. But it's they'll have, perp- well, they will have perspex screens and things, I believe. Yeah, I know, but they've got their hands all over your head and they've picked up this and, and they've picked up that. I mean, here's a very simple <laughs> They'll have a mask and they'll have gloves on. Yeah, no, I, I get all that, but I mean, the virus, is, I mean, you listen to some experts and they say the virus is still on the gloves. Here's a very simple example. If you walk into your hand sanitizer and everything, they're doing a brilliant job by putting on the hand sanitizer when they walk out of whatever shop. 
every single person is touching the push down part of the hand sanitizer with an, a technically speaking infected hand. So, so what? Who are we kidding? Well, so you press the hand sanitizer. Here's, here's, where, your hand. here's where we're at now. Yesterday we had no deaths and eighteen confirmed cases. Sadly, which is brilliant. The, the figure yeah. released for, and that would have been uh, an actual figure for Monday. So yes, so today then we heard of yesterday's figures, which would have been three deaths. And 14 cases. So sadly, people are dying. I understand that. But the amount of new confirmed cases is dropping all of the time. There was a spike there on the 13th. But then, you know, like, so if if there's only eight, like 14 new cases on the, in in the Republic of Ireland in a 24 hour period, you can see how the measures that are in place are working, aren't they? Sadly, 1,709 people did lose their lives. I, I understand that. But yeah, no, 100%. So, yeah. Like, yeah, and the ICU numbers are down to, I think it was around 60 or 62 in, in, in the hospitals at the moment, which is... which is, which is and, the, I, and, and, and none in the CUHs, to the best of my knowledge, in Cork. So, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and so therefore that's why you think they make it up as they go along. I'm not so sure about that. I think they're reacting to the numbers when it's safe to do so. Yeah, but maybe their reaction is too slow. So, so as I said, what, what they said back in about the five-phase plan is, like, how can they now all of a sudden, like, how can they bring hotels, which, by the way, is brilliant that they've brought them back to the 29th of June, because at least now we have some chance of having people in uh, coming and visiting. But if they could have done that, well, then why couldn't they have brought, say, restaurants back? So here's what people don't, like, find hard to understand. When I open my door, there's probably a good chance it'll take 10 days before people start coming in. So I'm now almost in the middle of July. You think people would be slow, is it? it it's, it's not even that they're slow. It's just, it's kind of, it's, it's a new thing. They're not all going to jam inside the door on the first night. We don't have that population in Killarney to do that. Or whether it be down in Kinsale or whether it be West Point or whether it be any small tourist town in, in the country. We don't have the population to fill the place literally overnight. And like, with the greatest respect, I wouldn't go out for dinner on a Monday night. So the locals will come out the Friday, Saturday. But I mean, my tour season and every other tour season and uh, business uh, tour season throughout the country is down to probably about six to eight weeks maximum. Now, we've had no shoulder months. We've had no trade. Don't forget, we came out of a winter series from January and February. We all shut our doors by mid-March. We haven't traded since. We'll have eight weeks of a tourism season. And this is what I'm not going on about. I want to get out and make money. I want to get open so I can survive. And, and, and not all will. Some of the more smaller, bespoke, cozy, intimate ones won't open at all. They'll never come they, back. They won't open at all. Now, on the flip side of that, I think restaurateurs that put in measures and put in money to make two metres social distancing, I personally think they were wrong. I also think some businesses will use this as an excuse to close their doors. So, I mean, it's not all 100%, uh, you know, fighting for the cause. There are a couple of people who are going to do that, and that's fine. That's just the way the world works. But all we are trying to do is to make sure that my staff have a job this winter, and I'm not putting them back onto social welfare. So putting the working guy under more stress that his taxes are going to pay that. All I'm asking for is, guys, would you make a darn decision? Would you stick with it? Stop changing your mind and let us take care of after ourselves and let people themselves be responsible for their social distancing. I don't think it's too much to ask people to turn around and say, look, just you do what you're comfortable with. Put the onus on top of the people, which is the way it should be. Instead of guys up in Leinster House making decisions for everybody throughout the country. We've had no cases in over 28 days in Kerry, yet we still have to wait for Dublin or Cork or wherever to be the same level before we can open up. 
It yeah, just, be, it just doesn't seem right. Yeah, because maybe people, I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem right. Well, how would you police the borders of Kerry then? If Kerry well, just... there's, a, there's about four or five. Put it this way: if we had to, I guarantee you, we would. There's about <laughs> right, four or okay. five roads into Kerry. There's about four or five roads into Kerry that we could easily block off. And All if right. some fella wants to drive 300 miles on back roads to come for a pint, he bloody deserves it. So you think that Kerry, because it's 28 days clear, should be allowed to open the pubs faster than anyone else? Well, you, well, yeah, you can put it that way, but yes, I think, and it's not just Kerry, I know Wexford are the same, I know there's a few other counties that are um, 20 days plus COVID-free, and that you have to turn around, they said this at the very start. No, I, I know, I'm going to move on, but you're, so, so you think it should be on a county-by-county county basis? Yeah, but like, it doesn't take a genius to figure out if, that if the, if the right. virus is not in the community in Kerry, open up Kerry. And then people come into Kerry from outside? Well, that's when we have to stop the people coming in from Kerry. But at least there's enough of a, a full sort of a population within Kerry to keep the business. All like, if I turn over twenty euro or fifty euro or a thousand euro, at least it's giving me a fighting chance. So, so kind of a Kerry militia, a kind of a Kerry militia. Then is it policing <laughs> the borders? No, no, no! Don't be, don't be saying right. like that. I'll put it this way: <laughs> if Cork was thirty days COVID-free, you'd be you'd be already open. I don't even know where we're at on that league table. I'd love to find out. Anyway, Chef, hopefully everybody will get down to visit you over the summer period in Killarney. Thanks for taking the call. Cheers, my man. That's Chef Paul Travaux of uh, Travaux's Restaurant Killarney. Back after the break, 1-850-104-106. Dennis is standing by. Thank you. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. I just Googled that there during the break there and apparently Kerry, uh, the, the, the deal is to be a COVID-free county. You have to be 28 days without a case and Kerry is the only county now that's gone 28 days without a, a, a new case of COVID-19. Cork has had five consecutive days without a new case. Kerry's at 28, so it's the only county that is now clinically deemed to be COVID-free. But if they have a positive case tomorrow, of course, well, that's gone. But right now, 28 days is what uh, determines being COVID-free as a county. Okay? And we've had five. Uh, Dennis, good morning. Can you hear me all right? I can, yeah. Good morning, sir. Okay, so we were yeah. talking about hotel prices and what was available and the costs of things. And we've been doing that on and off over the last few days. Go ahead. Dennis. Yeah. Yeah, can you hear me? I can. Okay. Can you? I can hear you. Okay, can you just give me the prices in the booking that you tried? Um, 165 euro for a double room for any Saturday in Scotland and Clarny for August. 165. Bed and for- breakfast, double room, open room. For any room on the weekend, any uh, room on the weekend on Saturday night, any Saturday, for two people in the one room, yeah, double room, like breakfast, breakfast, yeah. And you, you think that's value, yeah? I think it's very good, yeah, for August, like. And during the any Saturday, and any during Saturday the week, uh, during the week, the price today it says on when you're looking on the internet it's ninety nine euro, but then when you go into it, it could be about the same. But I mean, for a Saturday night in Scotland, and Clarny in August, it's very good for 165. You think that 165 is good? For one night, yeah. For two people? For two people, yeah. Okay. I think, I, I think that's fair. I, I think, think, it's, that's I think it's pricey enough, I have to say, but, you know, I would have thought maybe... For, for, uh, but come on, August, September, or August, and Clarny. Okay, all right. Well, look, it's not a great phone line, but th- thanks for the stat and thanks for the research. 165 for Saturday night in Scots. Maybe, maybe that's the kind of money that it is for a hotel room without dinner for two people in the middle of August in Killarney Town. Um, a lot of texts on this, a lot of calls as well. If you want to look at hotel prices, this is, this is super because this is Barry. He's a proud Corkman. Uh, he says, I'm blessed to be a North, bon- a North Mon boy as well, says he. Keep up the great work. And he's in New York listening. I tune in from New York as you 
usual. Um, I heard you talking about pricing of hotels. You can have a 14-day stay in a hotel here close to Times Square with an 8.2 rating from a top online booking site. And the 14 days and nights in this Times Square hotel will cost you €1,100 plus tax. So it works out at €100 a night. That's for two adults, two kids, a full breakfast that is buffet style, and it's in Times Square, New York City. Wow. So you're talking about a, a family room at $100 a night, including breakfast, two adults and two kids. Also, why can't people maybe rent a caravan? They could put a tow bar onto their car and travel to the beautiful countryside of Ireland. The weather is going to be what it's going to be. Weather permitting, people could buy a family tent, grab a bus to a camping site within walking distance to a beach uh, or a town. They could cook outdoors for a few nights. They could have a fire cook and roast marshmallows while all looking at the stars, having great family time. They could then support local businesses two or three nights. It would appear this virus may be coming back. There's a spike in America, South Korea and China. People need to realize that there will be no international travel this year if the cases do spike. The hotels are taking advantage of people in Ireland and there's no way you can justify the prices that you're quoting. Why does it cost double in the summer to stay in a place than in the winter? These hotels will bring their prices down if people start going camping, using a caravan, getting back to our roots. we got some of the best sites in the world in Ireland. I've traveled domestically and extensively for 35 years. Always when I travel to places, people have been to Ireland or they say they want to go to Ireland. And the people who have traveled to Ireland, uh, they were here in the bad weather and they still love the place. People should get back to basics, spend some quality time with family together. He's suggesting uh, go tenting. Get a caravan. It's not long ago, uh, a single night away in a very basic hotel was a great night's work. Uh, but now you must start wearing masks. There are keys, key, there are key in stores while shopping, walking in crowds, public transport, masks should be mandated. That's the practice in most cities. I was back home six months last year. It was a different city. I used to go back two or three times a year. I traveled a lot with family up and down the country to fail a competitions. It was a brilliant time in the north and south and I managed to uh, a native New York hurling team here. And I was getting the chance to watch and manage these kids as they togged out and played in Croke Park in 2016. Um, it's a very lengthy email, but he talks about beautiful places like Derry City that should be visited, Belfast, the Giants Causeway, the beauties of Clonakilty, Dingle, Salt Hill, even America to visit things like Glasnevin, the great Corkman, Michael Collins's grave. Uh, you could spend a whole day there. He says, what about the Guinness Storehouse? Kilmainham Jail, so much to see. People should jump on a train, go to Dublin Zoo, then eat and get the train home instead of staying away for a night. Uh, give hotels the message, you can't profit in bad times. I'm a cork proud man in New York, Barry. That's amazing, 14 days in a hotel just adjacent to Times Square for €1,100 Euro for the fortnight. Um, the only problem is you can't do that anytime soon. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back to the phone lines we go. Joan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? You believe the government are doing a great job. Am I right? I do. Like the government is new to all this pandemic, and they're doing their best to control it and to reduce the numbers. You know, like I think people are in such a rush to get back to the bars, and by introducing the restaurant and the bar, people are. Gotten, I suppose people aren't are less likely to get drunk when they're eating. So I do think that's the reason behind it. That's the logic behind it anyway. It is, yeah. That you go for like a meal and a couple of drinks. 
Absolutely, and I do think it's the new normal. Like, I currently work in the Clayton Hotel there on Lots Quay, and we've had to do massive changes. But I do think it's up to the public as well to manage their social distancing. It's not just up to the companies. Oh, it, it will be the businesses themselves that will have to police this. None of this Absolutely. will work if they're asking somebody else to be looking over their shoulder. That's not possible. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And like going back to the hotel prices, like we've actually um, launched a sale yesterday um, on our bedroom prices, which is massive reduction, you know, so it's not all businesses out there upping their prices. Okay, so you're doing that to attract people into Cork for weekend breaks or to holiday here for a week or 10 days or something, is it? Definitely, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. The, the Clayton reducing their prices in Lapsky is of little significance to a Cork person, sure it's not? No, it's not. And like, in fairness, in Cork, there's a lot of places that you can visit, like such as Fota, you know what I mean? Um, Blarney Castle has opened up their grounds now. So there is places for the kids to go and run around. You guys were open through all this, weren't you? But you were not to the public, but you certainly we had... We were indeed. We were open to um, essential workers and frontline workers. Yeah, yeah. And how did that work then if they wanted food or, or a drink in the hotel? Was all that open as well, no? Um, the restaurant was open by night, um, but again, there was strict um, social distancing going on um, and you could get a drink with your meal, but that was it. And you then got breakfast to your room every morning. Oh, in your room. And will that in be the way room. going forward now, do you think, that all breakfast will be... To the room? No, no. Um, it's going to be, I think the buffets now are going to be gone for a long time. Um, it's going to be kind of served to your table in the restaurant in the morning. Say you book your table like you would book your table for your evening meal. You now book your table for your breakfast. So if I, on say Monday week now, uh, what can a Cork person do with regards to that hotel? Come in, have a meal, go into the bar, have a meal and a drink kind of thing? I think it'd be a meal and a drink in the restaurant. Not the bar. Okay, okay. But there's a bar menu, isn't there? There is indeed, yeah. 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 So could you not reserve a, a table, maybe like all other pubs are doing? You would, absolutely. Yeah, so there's a food option there as well. Okay, so seat sale in the Clayton, um, and maybe other hotels should take a page out of your book and do the same. I think so, because families are going to be wanting to get away, you know. They're going to want to get out of the house. Um, because they've been stuck in for the last two or three months. And, you know, by launching this sale, it's going to get people to see your property, to get people to see the product, the work that we have done around the social distancing and the whole pandemic. And in the future, they're going to say, hang on a second, the Clayton done fantastic at their social distancing, at the product they've um, launched. So we'll return in the future. Okay, appreciate that. Good luck when it all happens. Thanks, Joan. Um, I will give some more examples of uh, hotel prices uh, between now and midday. I've been doing it over the past few days. But can I just say also, on top of everything, if there are positive stories out there and you have a business and you're reducing prices or offering deals or engaging in a sale or whatever and you're down in areas of the the county that won't be looking to attract Cork tourism, do get in touch because I want to talk up the best of Cork as I have been and trying to talk to businesses that get back to normal. So email neil at redfm.ie or text 086-8104-106. What seemed like a long, long time ago, um, my last conversation with Paul Montgomery at Clancy's at Princess Street and they were talking about how they were going to adapt and what they were going to use outside on Princess Street itself. Seems like ages ago, it probably was, uh, and at the time they were adapting for a two-metre distance. All that's changed now. I'm joined by phone by Paul Montgomery again. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Are you, are, you, are you at all bothered that maybe you jumped the gun and did a lot of prep for two metres and now it's not, uh, it's not needed? 
Well, I, I think that everyone was aware that um, the social distancing rules might change as we came near opening and that has been well flagged and we embarked on a lot of work. I suppose we, we planned it about nearly more or less from when we when we spoke that time Neil and we were we were getting the place fit for purpose for reopening and um, we learned a lot that week that we closed we learned a lot and if you remember they had the the next one 100 people per floor or per venue that they had and what we found at that time was that it was hard we managed the 100 people there's no problem managing that with the clicker with the with the clicker but the problem was that that number could congregate in one area and that's precisely what um, officials are not going to allow now because we've seen it in Florida and we've seen it in, maybe back in China in a few places that the disease has re-emerged when people are in willy-nilly and able to float around any kind of a venue that would be a, a pub or any other place of, of, uh, of gathering so from that time and, and right up to what's going on with um, what we're hearing the news that venues and the economy would be allowed to reopen in a safe way which really meant that people like once you in this case in our case once you're able to seat people and people can go out because there's still going to be a, uh, an amount of the population who won't go out but there is a huge amount that want to go out as we've seen from the shops all this past week and well, what's your, what are your bookings like? Bookings are excellent Neil like I mean there are several days that are already booked out with say even the first weekend is pretty much booked out already um, that we're open we have bookings for the first Monday I mean five minutes after we went live on our website last week and the bookings were, were live we had I'd say you know 50% of the Monday even booked out and that's and that's rising it's, it's not booked out now sounds but, to me as if people know, want to get out then that they're not apprehensive yeah, uh, it, 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 it's good you know and We'll say the different demographics. It's, it's great, and we're we're people are booking online. We're talking to people like five minutes ago. I just spoke to Paul Gallagher from Sketchers, and he was booking in for um, for the tours. That we're we're back, and he's bringing his staff out and looking forward to it. And we were discussing the night and how the tables are going to be arranged, and so people are. You know, so he could have four tables of four. That's it. Yeah. So he, he he's he's so we're. He's, he's bringing his staff out. We can go on the guidelines. It's equally, we've had people who are booking bigger groups and we're saying to them, OK, you know, we have to keep to the tables. We have to keep to the numbers. And people are very happy with that, Neil. I mean, they're very happy to have their groups and their tables. And, and then you give them 90 minutes and then you say, sorry, time's yeah, up. Well, well we, we had we had on our booking system, we had looked at two-hour slots anyway, you know. So you're not a million miles off that. I, I know it's... It's disappointing, and I'd like it longer, and people want double slots and everything else, right? But my my view right now today, as this as this as, as these um, figures are coming out, and I suppose as the recommendations are going to come out later today, is that and and I've been talking to Roisin from the evening echo this morning. Like, like we're probably lucky in one sense that we're getting to reopen it, I suppose, and this isn't going to last forever either. So, but what's the difference the between four people going in and having three or four pints in their ninety minutes? And four people going in and having, I don't know, chicken and chips or uh, a stir fry or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I was, I, I wasn't sure, and none of us were sure up to what we're hearing today that you know you could take walk-ins. So the recommendations that appear to be coming out now at the moment is that you can't take walk-ins. So everything has to be booked, right? Yeah. So, but like none of that. I mean, this is so fluid as as we speak. But what 
I had anticipated and what what Sully and Graham working with me have anticipated for the last um, two months is, and when we were doing the work on the place, is that it would be booking. So I was looking at it from a business point of view to say, okay, how can Clancy survive um, with lower numbers, spending more money to get it done? And so how we can survive is that we can survive by turning the tables more. So if you're booked in, Neil, and two of your work colleagues and you're coming in for grub at seven o'clock, well then, if I can have that table turned for nine, well, that's great. So it gives me the bit of time in between. And then if I can turn it again at 11. So now I have, instead of having 600 people in at 11 o'clock on Saturday night, I said 200, 200 and 200. So, so, so that's really how any business like ours is going to be able to survive and pay the bills and pay the staff into the future. Are you hearing much of pubs and smaller restaurants that aren't going to survive and are either handing back the keys or I heard of pubs uh, over the last few days that are closing and changing to uh, retail with apartments overhead kind of thing? Well, you know, retail is is in bigger trouble maybe than our business. So it's it's very hard to see how retail would work. I mean, you look at Patrick Street at the moment and it's sad some days to to go up and down it now and and to see the amount of places that are empty, you know, and you'd wonder who that. So, like, you know, smaller venues, there's a a lovely coffee shop just one beside us on the corner of Alberton Street and Marlborough Street. And that's reopened, which I was delighted. I, I didn't know if they were going to reopen. And that's trading in the last week and brilliant to see it. And I know that a month ago or two months ago, some pubs were saying they wouldn't open. And now they're maybe saying, you know what, we'll give it a go. And I think that's what's going to happen overall. That if, if you know, even in smaller venues that I would be saying myself, like, we don't know from year to year and even in good times how a business is going to go. Oh, this know. is the reality so, and you have to adapt to it. Yeah, yeah. This, this, so, so we're, 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 going, we're going to give it a go. But Did you spend a lot of it, money adapting the premises? We, we, we have, you know, we've, we, have, we, have, we have three floors of the premises and, and you know, there's good news parts of it as well. I mean, Princess Street looks pretty good that we're going to have that, you know, able to have tables and chairs out, out there from the 29th. We have a lot of contact with City Council and with the fire and with the Gaudi and there's a lot of positive vibes about that and that's going to be a nice feature of the city and, you know, we, we have extra space that we're creating on the roof as well and so like there's, there's, a, there's a lot more that we were able to do now and didn't want to have to spend money but I'm not looking at it just for just for post and, and, and during coronavirus. But, uh, you know, this, this should be good for our business long term. But a fella can't stand up at the counter uh, e- e- even come the 20th of July, I believe, you know? No, not yet. But, I mean, like he might have a nice high table and stool and be yeah. just as comfortable as standing at <laughs> the counter. And, like, if the buzz is there and if people see other people and there's a, there's a bit of social interaction, and we, we will create that buzz. I remember I was talking about this before a couple of months ago. That's... That's our job in Clancy's is to create a buzz and an atmosphere that people have fun when they go out. And that's what we have to do, you know, okay. is take away from the seriousness of it, but yet keep people safe. OK, I do remember at the time that you promised that we would give away a table for one of the early nights of uh, Clancy's reopening. You haven't forgotten that? Yeah. That's on. That's on the way over to you. I was. Uh, we were with our marketing team yesterday, and Pat Cairns will be on too with that forthwith. Uh, All right, that, good that, man. That, that's on the way over to you. All right, just a gentle reminder. Good luck then on Monday yeah. week. Take care. Take care. Much obliged. Paul Montgomery at Clancy's. Text 0868104106. Jim says, I think pubs and restaurants should wait till September for this. Let's get rid of this virus totally first. The schools, pubs and restaurants could open safely with one metre apart distancing. 
Uh, and if that's the case, then holidays should all be the same. All this should be happening next January. Uh, at least we must have patience. If we get a second wave of this, it'll go on till 2021. Which do you want? Like, is it September or, or January? Tom says those who want to stay on lockdown can choose to stay home. Those who want to can get want to go out can choose to go out. Normal business must resume. Uh, that upsets some people, but this is the harsh reality of, it, reality of it. All business needs to get back now. John says a lot of these pubs and restaurants will close for good if you have to leave after 90 minutes. They have been closed for long enough already. Uh, Sinead says, does this now mean you can't catch the virus in these places in the first 90 minutes or what? Well, with regards to catching a virus, some sad news for Kerry people because it's just been confirmed that they've had two cases in the past 24 hours in Kerry. As of 8 o'clock last night, there's two confirmed cases in Kerry, in the uh, University Hospital in Kerry, which means that they no longer have that COVID-free status of 28 days. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And people are texting. Linda says these measures aren't happening for schools. Why not? It's becoming a bit of a joke. The long-term effect on kids is far more important than a pint, in my opinion. Sorry. Sort out. Sort who and what is important first. George says it's anti-business. 90 minutes might suit a city establishment that a large footfall rural pubs will sink under these kind of guidelines. Uh, Maria says, I spoke to one restaurant owner and they don't think they'll be able to reopen with the two metre and disinfection rule. Now that it's been shortened, uh, they have to get the people out after an hour and a half. Uh, they'd need to change their entire menu to feed someone and then turn the table around fast. This is madness. Well, I don't know about that. It, do- it doesn't mean, you know, that you're quiet after the, hour, after the hour and a half. It just means that you get more p- people in. Paul Montgomery is saying, and rather than having 600 people, say, in a pub and restaurant his size, at a particular hour and creating pitch points and problems, you would have, um, you know, the same amount of people over a longer spread out period. Uh, it's becoming more and more apparent that health officials are using the virus as an excuse to launch a sustained attack on drink. These suggested guidelines are an insult to the intelligence of hardworking restaurant and pub owners. Uh, mind you, the pubs that serve food seem to be quite excited about it because they weren't expecting these kind of breaks. If it's only pubs that serve food, do all pubs that reopen have to close at nine when most will serve will finish serving food? Or can they continue to stay open on closing hours? No, they would close earlier. That's my interpretation of it. As long as they're serving food, they stay open. But if they stop food at nine, then... Half ten, everybody's out at that stage. At present, we're like sheepdogs with our customers, keeping them in line. Uh, After this, we're running around with a clock for customers. Are you serious? Maybe we should give them a 90-minute egg timer so they know when they have to leave. Robert, an employee can work in a restaurant and a pub all day, but the customer can only spend 90 minutes there. How does that work? Well, this is suggesting, uh, is it different for an employee getting COVID-19 or a customer getting COVID-19? Are there different rules? These measures are going to make... the. uh, Oh, this is funny. John says, these measures are going to make those disastrous Tinder dates easier to duck out of. (laughs) The date's got to end after 90 minutes of hell. And John says, Ireland is doing everything backwards, like always. Spain, France and the UK are gone back to normal already. No, they're not. The UK is far from normal. And they've had over 100,000 deaths between them. Obviously, I'm aware they have far bigger populations. Let's all just move it on now and get back to normal life. If you feel like you have COVID symptoms, stay at home. If you have elderly relatives and feel sick, stay away from them. 
Simple as. Back after uh, 11 on 1850 104106. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Prendeville Show. It's yes, indeed. Uh, pick up the phone on 1850 Some people send us voice notes on WhatsApp as well. Amongst them, Rita, have a listen. Hi guys, just listening there about the hotel stays in Ireland. We had um, a four night stay booked in plan for August and it was €740, Euro, two adults and two kids. I just cancelled it last night and booked a holiday in a big family resort yoki thing in Germany for 10 nights for 940 So, like, I was getting four nights in Clannacilty for 7.40 and um, actually 7 nights in 7 nights was 7.40 in Germany and we made it 10 nights which brought it up to 9.40 two adults, two kids in a big family resort um, pools, pet farms um, playgrounds loads of restaurants everything, like all included so that's where we're going and the flights are really cheap as well it's working out like really cheap there you go that's Rita on a WhatsApp voice note uh, 740 for four nights in hotel in Ireland seven nights in Germany same money 740 with all of the amenities, uh, go compare. Go compare is right. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. This um, could have been a tragedy, but thankfully it was averted. Louise, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for getting in touch. Um, to Not put the, at all. Put the fear into me reading the story that you sent me. Your three year old Tig, yeah. Yeah, well, he's actually three next month. So, yeah, we were down at the Atlantic Pond last Thursday, actually. And we haven't been down there in, Jesus, a good few months now, with um, obviously with the whole restrictions. Yeah. So we said we'd take an old trip down there um, when we could. And, yeah, unfortunately, about two or three minutes into the trip, um, after we parked the car, he slipped and slipped into the kind of deeper side of the Atlantic Pond. So... Yeah, it kind of happened so quickly as it does, I'm sure. Um, I actually had my seven-month-old um, little boy, Dahi, in my arms at the time, so I'd just taken him out of the buggy to kind of show him the ducks and things like that. So I was completely frozen. It happened right in front of my eyes, but I actually froze. Now, it probably was only a second, but it felt like, I'd say, about a minute or two. So thankfully, there was three girls walking, three sisters, and they rushed to my aid. And when I saw them rushing to me, it kind of spurred me into action. So two of us went in and pulled them out. But of was, course, he, was, he struggling in the, was he struggling in the water, the little he, fella? He was struggling, you see. it's um, I don't know if you're familiar with the area. I am. I'm just talking on the radio, see in the background there and I was listening to it. Um, so basically, it's, it's, it was on the Barrington's Avenue side of it. Yeah, yeah. And there's quite, there's a bit of a, a slippy part and then there's almost a little part of the step and then there's actually, um, there's a drop down. So he was just at the kind of step part. Right. So, but he had kind of turned, um, he slipped and kind of turned, so he was on his back and his head. His hair was kind of in the water and stuff like that. So he was fully, like, if he had kind of moved an inch or two, he would have gone down. So oh that my. was the scary part, how it happened so quickly. And So the three know, sisters, I, what did they do? They came along? So basically, the three sisters ran over to me and 
Um, I uh, put my seven-month-old down in the ground because I had nowhere else to put him. And myself and one of the girls went in ourselves and we both slipped in the process. So we managed to grab onto him and pull him out. Um, and then we struggled ourselves to get out because it's very slippy. There's a lot of algae and things yeah, like that. Yeah. So thankfully, there was a man jogging um, on his lunchtime jog uh, who came to Uri then and kind of gave us a, a handout. So... Uh, yeah, the whole reason I rang is because I'm trying to locate the three sisters because both of us, um, myself and the other girl, had our phones and our jackets when we went in and obviously we were totally immersed in the water as well. So both our phones, I, well, my phone isn't working and so I haven't been able to make contact with them and I just want to make, thank them first and want to make sure that there, if there's an issue with their phone that I want to replace it and I want myself and Ty to say you know thanks so much they, they didn't even blink they just ran and they reacted and if it wasn't for them I, you know look um, well if you were on your I own and there was know. no one around and you went into the water and then you have a seven month on the bank oh god it could have been just absolutely devastating Exactly. And if it wasn't for those girls who, who literally didn't think twice about helping, they just ran, like didn't care about going in the water, you know, and it's not very pretty down there in the water. Was it deep, but that water? Just, I mean, you went under, like, so was it deep? To, to be honest, no, we didn't. We just went, like, up to our neck because we slipped. Now, I wouldn't say it's very deep. I'd say in the, if he had dropped off the little step part, I'd say it might be, like, I don't know, a metre or so. But it's more, you know, it was more the fright for him. And, I know, I know. How know, was he when he exactly. came out then? Was he upset? Do you know what? No, I think I, unfortunately, I used to really wanted to be cross with him, which probably isn't the right um, reaction. But, um, no, he was upset. But we, um, you know, I think he was shocked, actually, to be honest. And he's a fairly fearless fella. So to shock him is, um, is, is quite impressive. I know. But that's he, the age, though. We, Two going on three. They're just, uh, they're just so inquisitive. You know, like. he, He's, I have a six-year-old as well, and he's he's just a different kind of character. So he just, you know, doesn't, you know, get any kind of danger, I, know, I suppose. I and that age. part of his age and, and his personality. But we actually brought him back down on Sunday because um, we just want, with my husband in tow, so I had um, extra resources. <laughs> and we just said we'd bring him down just to make sure that he didn't have any kind of, you know, associations with it, um, and he was absolutely fine, thank God. So, so he, um, all right. So he you all, you all had to traipse home, soaked head to toe. Then, oh well, the girls were so nice now that they offered to walk me back to the car, and they were like, they didn't care about the phone, they didn't care about anything, they didn't care about themselves, they were concerned about me, Tyg and Dahi, to be honest. So, um, they, we, we, I had to unfortunately strip Ty down at the Atlantic Pond because he was absolutely soaked. So he kind of left um, with a jacket on him and not much you else. You have to be but, very um, careful because look. the ducks and the swans are a fierce attraction. You said, I was so shell-shocked that I can't recall their names, but I do know that they had one brother and they lived on Green Street in the city. Um, and yes, it'd, be good to, exactly. it'd be good to find them. You just want to say thank you and see if they're okay and their I, phones are working. Yeah, exactly. I just want to make sure that um, everything is okay for them. And if their phone is you know, not working like mine, then I'm happy to replace it. And also to kind of thank them personally because I was a bit shell-shocked on the Thursday. So kind of all went a bit in a blur. So I um, just want to make sure that they don't think that I haven't forgotten about them. They're in our thoughts. I just want to make the contact with them. Ah, so sure. Hopefully we'll find them. Hopefully we'll find them. You well, must have got an awful be- fright though as a ma'am. Did you, were you upset? Do you know what? I, to be honest, I kind of was more, I was concerned for him. I was, you know, it, I just, 
I, I, I don't know how I was feeling to be honest it just went into that kind of you know fight or flight mode yeah. I mean we got home that night that day and we literally did nothing for the rest of the day because we were all trying to I was trying to kind of recover myself I suppose I know, it just goes to show it can happen in an instant and you know that's how things can go wrong now thankfully you know it's not that deep but it doesn't take much oh it sure doesn't it take anything to drown a child yeah. oh no you're absolutely and right in a way, we were very lucky that the Atlantic Pond is very busy at the moment with everyone, you know, out and about and everything and things like be that. So with kids, we yeah. were, yeah. yeah, exactly. But you know, it's it, it's all had a good outcome, you know. Really, okay. so, so we know we know just, that they're three sisters. We know that they live in Green Street, sisters. which Green Street's around Greenmount, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not sure to be honest there like it's as I said I don't remember their names that they gave them to me um, but they'll know I'm sure and I'm sure they've spoken about it as well hopefully to people so um, somebody will make the connection anyway let's and see if we can great. make that happen see if we can find who those sisters are thank them send them something nice and you just want to know if their phones are working and you just want to thank them properly okay of course listen you're very good thanks a million alright well done Louise delighted all as well regards to you and to Tyg and to the rest of the family were you uh, one of those sisters do you know of them. Uh, can you get in touch with us please? Text 086-8104-106 because Louise would like to say thank you and we'd like to give them a gift as well. Alright, those three sisters we're talking about last uh, Thursday lunchtime. The Atlantic Pond in Black Rock. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. All right, text 86 And I'll continue to pick up on those texts, particularly on the whole pub thing and the 90 minutes and the serving food. But from yesterday's conversation with Michal Martin, I'm very disappointed in Michal's response to a lot of the topics when you interviewed him. Now we know he isn't going to be a leader for Cork. He just keeps his Dublin buddies happy. And once again, he was forced into taking the pay rise, he says, says Desi. He doesn't give gestures, he said. Uh, with regards to you asking about taking a pay cut, but he still expects the people that are out of work and trying to make ends meet to keep uh, paying for PPE equipment. He couldn't tell the truth if it hit him in the face, says Leo, and that's not Leo Varadkar. Going to government with the Greens will hit the farming, the poor and the old. The Greens only care about Dublin. They don't care if all the goods are imported and farming and life here is closed down in rural Ireland, says Stephen. Uh, Neil, you're one coward when it comes to politicians. You must be getting a few bob as a backhander not to ask hard questions. Well, thank you for that. Neil Martin never left Cork down in the past. He won't in the future. Morning, he opened the private centre in the bonds in Cork. The last number of health ministers have run down the public hospitals while pushing private care. I'm sure he will do, he, I'm not sure he will do anything for public patients, says Stephen. I would welcome Sinn Féin in government as it is very easy to shout from the sidelines, but a different job to lead. It must be easier to be in opposition, I'd say. The agenda that's in front and centre for Sinn Féin will always be a united Ireland. And I don't know if that is the, ch- if, if, and I don't know if that is the change that all the people voting for them had at their front and centre of their minds in the first place. Well, imagine a proportion of people who voted Sinn Féin voted on the premise of uh, uh, a 32 county republic. Um, does Michal Martin think this uh, involvement with the Green Party, particularly considering the increase in carbon tax they're suggesting, will damage Fianna Fáil's chances of being elected in the future? Don't know, only time will tell. I love the idea of a Cork Taoiseach, but I would prefer Michael McGrath the role. We need strong leadership at this time of financial uncertainty. And Michal being an accountant, Michael being an accountant, gives him a better credentials to do this, in my opinion. Well, he will be the finance minister. Michal Martin got elected on the sixth count. Poll ratings are at 14% for Fianna Fáil. And now he's become the leader of the country. 
not what you would class as great credentials, don't you think? He sold his soul to avoid being the first Fianna Fáil leader not to attain the office of Taoiseach, full stop. Uh, no wonder Sinn Féin always answer the phone. You're like their PR guy, Neil. No questions about their fantasy promises ever from you. <laughs> Some people are in rare form. I think it's great that Mion Martin might be the new leader of the country. Best of luck to him. It certainly won't do Cork any harm. And there's reams more of those which I'll come back to throughout the course of uh, the next uh, 45 minutes or indeed the next day or two. Okay, didn't take long. Happy to say, with regards to the events that happened last Thursday week down at the Atlantic Pond, there were three sisters came to Louise's aid and little Tig and helped to get him out of the water. Amongst them was Denise. Good morning. Hi, how are you doing? Well, I be darned. That didn't take long. How do we find you so fast? I have no idea. I just got a phone call there about three minutes ago. So, Well, there are three of you. There's you, there's Sinead, and there's Murren. Isn't that right? Exactly. Yeah, and, that's and, right, yeah. and are two of you twins? Yeah, so Sinead and I are twins. Well, Louise wanted to find you. So here you are. Let me get back on the line here and see if I can get Louise again. This might come as a bit of a shock to you. Louise! <laughs> Yes. We found Denise anyway, one of the sisters. Oh, brilliant. That was, that was quick work, Neil. It was fast, wasn't it? So, <laughs> Denise, what do you recall of what happened? Uh, well, we were just walking. It was actually our first time down in, La- in Atlantic Pond, and Myrne had been there a couple of times. So she wanted to bring Sinead and I down just to walk. So it was actually our first time ever there. Um, and we just arrived on the pond, at the pond, and we were walking along, and we just saw... A little, a little boy running a bit in front of us, and it all—it was really innocent. The whole thing—it all just happened so fast. He was just looking at the docks, and I could see his mom, Louise, kind of just saying, "Oh, you know, mind yourself, Tig." And then he just so innocently just uh, popped into the water. So straight away, Sinead, Mern, and I ran, and thankfully we're all experienced swimmers. And uh, Sinead was the quickest, and so got there first. And she just jumped into the water and grabbed him, pulled him out, and. At that stage, then poor Louise had also jumped in. So, um, but we managed to get everyone out. So, you know, it was it was a uh, luckily, luckily we were all there and uh, we were all safe afterwards. There was another man came along as well, a jogger. That's right. And he yeah. had pulled Sinead and Louise out as well, which is yeah, great. Yeah. So you kicked into action um, and yeah. got soaked, and she got soaked in the process. And I'm told that her mobile her mobile phone took a bit of a baiting. Is that right? Uh, it's actually fine. Her mobile phone is actually grand. Uh, there was a minor... Well, to be honest, that was the least of our worries. You'd get over a mobile phone. Um, you know, you wouldn't really worry too much about that. But, uh, no, but Louise, uh, you, you just wanted to check in and say thank you because I, I guess oh, there was, there was like, panic at I the really, time. I mean, you can even hear in the voice there that as they're speaking, they didn't care about anything but just helping, which just goes to show what really kind people and generous you are. And myself and Ty are really grateful for I'm actually getting emotional now because you were so nice and just like of course honestly we're so lucky that you were there and that you just put everything aside and just helped us out and you were so kind afterwards and just so helpful and honestly I mean I was just so going crazy that I didn't want you to think I'd forgotten about you but I just didn't have your number so um, you've been on my mind since last Thursday so I'm so happy we've made contact and I just you know, we'll sort something out with you afterwards just to say Definitely, like yeah. how amazing you and your sisters were. You were oh. fantastic. So no what well, kind of sorry, go ahead, Denise. Uh oh no, thanks Louise for all those kind words and I think that, you know, um once we could do it we were so happy to help and honestly there's no need for all the thanks. 
I appreciate it. We all do. Martin and Schneider here now, they'll be kicking themselves, but uh, no, uh, we do it for anybody. Where do you live? Where do you guys live? Uh, Sinead and I, we live on Green Street, just um, okay. in the city. That's and off Greenmount, Green is it? Exactly, Greenmount, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I don't know what kind of a phone you have, Louise. Yours is knackered, but um, Sinead's is fine. <laughs> Yeah, we both, I think, have the same phone, yeah. Because we both had the iPhone and we both had the Otterbox, but mine seems to be completely goofed anyway, so... um, Well, at least you don't have to replace Sinead, so that saves you about a grand anyway. (laughs) Exactly. I was was taking all the money out of tight bank accounts anyway to replace everything, so it it wasn't coming out of mine, but um, I'm not sure he'd appreciate that sentiment. But um, yeah, listen, thanks so much. Oh, no, you're so awesome. I gotta ask you, Denise, for three for three Cork girls, have you never been to the Atlantic Pond before last uh, Thursday? What's that about? Well, actually, we're we're not really from the city. We're from McCroom. Yeah. So originally, um, I don't know. I don't know. I suppose. Well, we'll definitely <laughs> go back now. Maybe a bit less. Uh, Less, for a walk this time, not a swim. Less dramatic occasions going forward, I hope. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Well, listen, I'm so happy, delighted that we managed to get you hooked up with Louise. You just wanted to say thanks. Listen, I have some wonderful Asian street food vouchers here for food, so I want to send you out a handful of them, right? To get a postal address for you, and you can treat yourself and your sisters to some food, all right? Oh, cheers. Thanks so much. Well done. Mind yourself. Job, job done, Louise. Look after Ty. Appreciate thanks it. Thanks, Neil. Take care. Bye-bye. Back on hold for Denise. And well done to Denise, Sinead, and indeed Muran, who happened to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, They're all in their early 20s, I believe, in fairness to them. And they came to the assistance of Louise and her son, Ty. I wonder what kind of an adventure he'll get up to next. Talking about adventures, I've been endeavouring to talk to as many Cork businesses as I can who are back open and adapting to the times that we live in to get their businesses open. And last week I was inside in Pro Music chatting with Eileen Madden. I was buying those fiddly Dan standy brackets you put up on the walls for, um, you know, guitars, my daughter's guitars, two of them. I made an absolute hames of it. And the wall, which is like not concrete, is destroyed. There's a huge hole in it. It it is up there and it's working. But I had to, you know, after the piece was put up on the wall, I had to put a scarf wound over it to cover the big hole. Just goes to show you need to leave these jobs to the professionals. Anyway, but we were in there and I was in there and I was chatting with with, uh, Eileen. And it's amazing because in times when people have a lot more time on their hands, they took up all sorts of different hobbies, you know. And I was talking recently about the fact that everybody got back to baking. Everybody made a banana bread. A lot of people took up gardening. Uh, but but um, Eileen was telling me, an awful lot of people took up a musical instrument. She joins me by phone. Eileen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are so you? So I leave the DIY to, to somebody else going <laughs> forward. I, think. I let the professional. I was thinking about you. I was wanting to, to sort it out. But, you were probably uh, wondering, is he actually going to put that up himself? Like, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> So how's it been anyway? You you were telling me that in the time over the last three months, people were taking up all sorts of instruments, even tin whistles and stuff like that. Oh gosh, yeah, everything now from tin whistle, flute, triad instruments, baron, cello, violin, saxophone. You know, and and people that hadn't played for a long time were um, going back to their old instruments and getting them renovated and that sort of thing. Did you have people so bringing we- in stuff looking for work done on the man? 
Yeah, that was happened before the lockdown. We were really busy with um, people, you know, renovating guitars, restrings, and um, same with brass and woodwind instruments and that sort of thing as well. Violins, you know, getting strings repaired, that sort of thing. And then we were open from the 15th down for repairs just for a couple of hours, um, three days a week. And um, we were very busy with repairs then too, you know. Okay, so you did all of the repairs and then you were doing an awful lot of online for the months that you were closed. Is that right? Well, unfortunately, our website crashed on the 7th of April, so the timing is absolutely miserable. But we got over that too, so it's online. Did it crash or did I hear it was hacked? It was hacked. It was hacked, yeah. Does that happen well, a lot, I wonder, in business? What, like? It happened to a lot of people, I believe, yeah. Um, because our IT guy, you know, the guy that dealt with, oh, listen, he had people from Mexico and America and everything working on it. Um, and it happened quite, quite a few sites. Which yeah. meant that what? So, you actually couldn't access it or people couldn't no. do any business? No, nothing. All that was up on the site was Chinese writing. No, you weren't asked for you weren't asked for money to release it or anything. No, no, My just, God. just a site. But yeah, the website basically just went down completely, which was a disaster. But Eileen, the other Eileen here, my manager, in fairness, she took the phone home and transferred it to her mobile, and the phone never stopped ringing. So and what were they looking for, know? people, when they were buying? They were buying everything from pianos to guitars. Um, as I say, even tin whistles. Um, people actually were very, very demented, I'd say, for something to do, you know. Um, books, um, tutor books now for instruments, that sort of thing as well, you know. So everything, actually. Everything From a plectrum to a piano, then. Exactly. Bang on. That's on the name of God, you deliver pianos. Um, courier service, we're working all of the time. And Luke, then my son, he um, dropped it at the door and went, you know, and then left it outside the door for about an hour and they assembled. There was no assembly or anything like that. Isn't that they, amazing? Um, no. Well, it's all digital pianos we sell, so that's just a case of taking it out of the box. Plug it in. Plug it together. I wouldn't recommend you do that now, <laughs> <laughs> No, I can plug it. I can plug stuff in. Yeah, it kept pretty straightforward enough, you know. So, yeah, it, it, it worked out quite well. So, but, no, we weren't busy, Neil, to be honest with you. But you know what? It kept the wolf from the door. Didn't have a whole lot of massive bills to face when we came back, which took the sting out of it because we wanted to bring as much staff back as we could. Has it changed the way you think now? I mean, you always had an online service, didn't you? And, and I know that for a long time you were saying that you would match the prices of, say, the likes of Thoman in Germany yeah. and stuff like that. But is, is, the, is, is online something that you think more businesses of your size will embrace now? We have no choice. It's it's better than your shop window. It is your main vein, really. Um, especially now with the lockdown, that really brought it home, you know, um, when people can't get out. And people are so used to shopping online now. Um, they've never done it before the lockdown, yeah. and now they're used to doing it. And so it's really a new How's way How does it work of- now, though, with uh, if somebody wants to come in and try out a guitar or pick up a violin oh. or a clarinet or play your pianos? How How do you work it out now? Well, the way it's worked now is that um, a maximum stay in the shop for 15 minutes. Um, if you try out anything, it has to be sanitised afterwards. You know, guitar or anything, which put it to a size, yeah. it has to be sanitised. And um, nobody can touch that instrument then for about an hour, you know. Yeah. It's difficult. It's really, really, really difficult manning the people, especially now Saturday. It was quite airy in here because a lot of young people were coming in and... Um, they're a bit of a disaster when it comes to social distancing sometimes, you know. So, um, 
but all, overall, overall, you know, we're getting used to it, you know. It's yeah. a new way of doing business because our shop is always pretty busy. There's always a buzz in here and it's hard to restrict the amount of people in the shop, which we have to do. There can be no more than eight people in the shop at any one time and that includes the staff. That's tough on a busy day, you that's know. That's right, that's and right. And you're yeah. trying to discern, you know, you're trying to kind of uh, discern then who's the, who's going to be buying or not, you know. So browse, Oh, the, the browsing is gone now. Do you have to ask uh, them, are you, are you browsing or are you serious? Exactly, yeah, exactly, yes. And the people take offence to that sometimes, you know. Um, I make a laugh. I had an American came to the door there on Saturday. He said, golly, I'm, I haven't played my guitar for like three months. Can I come in and do a bit of jamming? <laughs> <laughs> like, sure, you know, it's grand and no bother. Like, but no, no. Are sir. you serious? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of couldn't get the concept of it. You can all. buy a guitar and take it away and do it. <laughs> I said to him, I said, that's it, I think. Take one away, but you're there now. 129 euro and you're sorted. <laughs> and you're sorted. So, so yeah. another aspect of the business would have been the ticket master and selling gigs. Of course, that's not happening. But I imagine there's not a huge lot of profit in that anyway, is there? No, no, no. That was never really worth our while. But, you know, it, was, it brought great football, football into the shop yeah. and good yeah. advertising. Yeah. That's gone. Ticketmaster is going to be gone for a long, long time. I know. Um, I know. Although I hear Brad are talking about... F- gatherings up to 5,000 by the autumn so you never know what could happen and, you know. it's in the lap of the gods really you one, one doesn't know really and no. will you be okay so, with rent and, and are you getting any breaks from, with rates and stuff like that well, I'm, I'm kind of negotiating at the moment. Um, I'm very lucky. I'm blessed really that I have, I have my building paid for, so I have no rent. If I had a rent situation to come back to, I don't think I'd be coming back. I really wouldn't because it's just impossible, you know? I know. Yeah. Uh, the town is slashed, as you can see yourself, maybe you and every day, like Patrick Street is just miserable. All the big shops are gone or going closed. It's so, so sad. So I hope Mind your Sunday afternoon, back. there was a, fa- a fantastic buzz on Patrick Street. The sun was shining. It was like, uh, you know, very, very busy. Maybe that was pennies, the pennies phenomenon, maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe, but um, I just hope the bus doesn't kind of stop. You know, the novels, you know, won't wear off and they'll all go back to the shopping centres again or whatever, you know. So um, I just hope they reverse the parking ban as well, you know, because, or the traffic ban rather, because... um, Everything will help now going forward. (laughs) Everything will help. We need all the help we can get, you Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, so a lot of people... It's only shining, you know. A lot of people, a lot of people picked up a musical instrument then over... Uh, COVID nineteen three months. What's the what's the easiest musical instrument to pick up and learn? Do you know? Oh golly, it's a hard one to call. It's the piano, I suppose, because the notes are there. You know, you have to make notes on a brass instrument the same as the stringed instrument. You know, there's the awkward hold or whatever. And guitar, I would say piano and guitar. Piano and guitar. You can, and ukulele, of course. I mean, God, ukuleles. <laughs> Did you ever run on ukuleles? Absolutely. Oh, you've had to run on ukulele. I am here now 40 years this year. I started here when I was 21, Neil, and I'm here 40 years in September. And I think we sold two ukuleles in one year. (laughs) Now we're doing like a massive amount a week. You know, it's it's a cheap, lovely, easy instrument to play, you know. What do you play? Do you play anything? I'm a cellist. Yeah, I play the cello. Go away. Yeah, play the cello, a bit of everything, but the cello would be my main instrument when I can, you know. Do you sell many of them? 
We do, yeah, we do. Yeah, the Cork School of Music now would be, you know, the, the students over there would be our, our kind of bread and butter. Um, who I really feel sorry for now, though, is the musicians. You know, the gigging like Gigs are gone, yeah. God, I mean, God love us. They went down way before the lockdown and then be the last batch. That's know? right. And that they goes for be. actors as well. And that goes for jocks and anybody doing exactly. anything live gigs. Yeah, yeah. yeah the only, the only exactly. thing, I mean, School of Music is fantastic. And I don't mean this as a criticism. But in the years of involvement with it, from myself as a kid and then my, my own kids, and everything, mm. I think that their threshold of success is way too high to attract everybody. Either you're 85% or you're out. Yeah. Do, you, do you know, like, yeah. it, it's yeah. not That's all right. embracing for people who love music. That, no, the prof- you know, the standards are so high. Maybe it's, it's for the privileged, yeah, really talented child, you know, and that unfortunately. But then there's a lot of, um, there's an awful lot of private teaching going on, and um, you know that there's an outlet, huge outlet for that too, you know. Listen, so, I'm so glad that things yeah. went well online and that many people took up a musical instrument. Best of luck yeah. going forward with it, Eileen. All right. Great. Lovely talking to you, Neil. Okay. Take care Hope for now. I, cer- okay, I certainly will. Cheers. She's <laughs> one of the greatest girls in the whole wide world. Eileen Madden at Pro Musica. Um, and I mean, it's, it's amazing. An awful lot of people did. And I know I mentioned this in the past, but I was only picking up the Ellen Pipes from time to time. My wife claims I hadn't picked them up in 25 years. She's probably right. But back at the middle of March, um, got them out again and got Owen O'Reavig to service them up at Tripsy Way and did a fantastic job, added some regulators to them, fixed up the bag, got everything going, put a new read in the chanter. And I've had three months of really great fun. Uh, I mean, sometimes quite exasperating because it's got different octaves. Uh, it's not as if you just play a key, of course. It's the bellows and it's the bag and there's all the coordination involved. But it's been so in, in one way. You know, I know that COVID-19 has been very, very serious and people got very sick and many people died and lost loved ones. But it was an opportunity for people as well to kind of revisit parts of their lives that they'd forgotten about. And uh, that was certainly the case for me. And it's not too late to pick up a musical instrument and to start. And the first place to check out for that is Pro Musica on Oliver Plunkett Street, either calling in there or checking them out online. So we'll continue as we go through uh, the weeks to come to talk to Cork businesses that, um, you know, are getting back and inviting people to come visit them again. More on that tomorrow. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Huge response to the conversation with Micheál Martin. Oh, why, oh, why, oh, why didn't you ask him to legalise cannabis, um, bring the country back to normal? They should tax it and legalise it. Uh, some other ones here. I see a leadership push in 2020 to replace Micheál Martin. This rotating nonsense. This is jobs for the boys. The doll ends in 2025. Micheál will survive a year or so. And then he'll have his big pension. Best of luck to Michal. Lovely man. Well deserved as Taoiseach. Congratulations, Michal Martin. I wish him every success as the Cork Taoiseach stay safe and well. I'm delighted for Michal Martin. I have voted Fianna Fáil all my life. My mother, who has passed, would be over the moon personally for Michal as ma'am. Uh, was a party member all her life in Crosshaven. Hopefully this will be better for the country with homes and jobs for all the people that need them. Thank you so much. I think my own late mother-in-law, Kitty Lenahan, would also be delighted for Michal Martin. She had a great time for him. And he had great time for her, and she was Fianna Fáil through and through all her life. And uh, this gives me some hope for Cork with uh, that people aren't sheep. Option Fane. <laughs> okay, thanks for that. Um, what else have we got here for you? One or two more that are of interesting. Uh, can you ask me, Hall Martin, or, or maybe the next time you're talking to him, I suppose, how he feels about having a 33 year old living with a parent in a double bedroom with a six and a four year old for the last four years? What's he going to do about that? Can he help me? Well, that's why they keep going on and on about building more houses, I suppose. Simon Coveney has tried. He really makes himself available and takes the flack. 
We all went into hiding for a long time. The last best minister we had in Cork was Bernard Allen, who always had Cork at heart. Look at the football clubs on the north side who benefited from grants under his office. Well, that is very true. He was a super sports minister and he did plough an awful lot of money into Cork. Maybe ministers can get to do those kind of things a lot more than maybe a Taoiseach can, you know. Maybe it's, maybe it's more transparency the office of Taoiseach, I don't know. Anyway, we'll come back to more of those. It'll probably be the morning. But, lines are open at one 106 And also, talking about Cork businesses, there's a quick one from Joan Lucy down at Vibes and Scribes. Joan, good morning. Good morning. It's great to hear Eileen Madden being so optimistic. She was in great form and a good laugh down in Pro Music. How have you been? You opened up yesterday for the first we time in three... We opened up our bookshop, yeah, the okay. first time in three months. But how was it online? Were people buying a lot of online books? Yes, we, yeah, we were very busy online. Not so much for the books. Our main online shop is for the crafting supplies. Okay, so, so people like were taking up knitting. Was it our painting and stuff? Everything like that. Anything. A lot of people were making masks, actually. Go and we, we do have all the stuff, the elastics. We probably have more elastics than anyone in Ireland, to be honest. <laughs> so we had like, we were extremely busy. I was able to, even though I had to close the three shops, I was able to bring the people from the three shops into Bridge Street, turn it into a warehouse and run it for the, uh, and supply our, our, the people, our customers and new customers with stock for the three months to keep them entertained and happy and safe, whatever they were doing. So people so, like, did take up a lot of hobbies then? Oh, yeah. We, I didn't even have to leave one staff go. We were able to keep everybody that was willing to work. And um, people like either took up more hobbies or maybe they were going to places that, that our customers that would normally call into us yeah. were then buying online. And I'd say there was a lot of people making jigsaws and just and as well as knitting, sewing, crochet, Love it. painting, Love it. everything. Like OK, I'll get, I'll, get to the, I'll get to the main reason you call in a moment. But are you saying that people weren't buying books? I would have thought there would have been a real run on well, them. Oh, no, there would have been. But it's I'll tell you, it's not our main online business. Oh, okay. There would have been, but like, it's very hard for a business like ours to compete with Amazon on the book side. I know. Like, we have, like, our online shop really is, our online shop is for crafting supplies. We never did try to take on Amazon on the book. I read you know somewhere I mean? at the weekend that it's a car, it's an Irish company, has the biggest book online service in the world. Did I read that somewhere? Somewhere up the country? I don't know about, I wouldn't, I not, I'm not aware that maybe you did, but I mean, uh, like, um, I feel that I feel that our offering that we can offer the best is the crafting supplies. Okay, so okay. We, can, we can do that well, and if we do that, um, that that's that's uh, that's our big challenge, and we're doing it the very best we can. Okay, so you physically opened yesterday. How did that work out for you? Yeah. Well, it like worked out okay. First, we we've started. We like we just opening until uh, from eleven to five, just short hours at the beginning because we were asked not to have people travelling during the busy times, and also because we're worried about how much business we can take in, how safe we can keep the customers and the staff, and how we can manage. And we're not ready to open the craft shop yet, and probably won't be for a few weeks because of social distancing and because of the size of the shop and because we turned it into a warehouse. So, like, we can't do everything for everybody. So you opened, what did you open then, Bridge Street? No, we just opened Lavitz Key, the the full-price bookshop and the second-hand bookshop in Lavitz Key. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, how did you get on with people coming in and out then? Like, like, the idea we had, like, I had discussed things with the staff beforehand and how they felt about things and how, like, they were nervous about people, about being out and about and about meeting people. They were used to having the safety of Bridge Street. So 
um, we decided that we would ask people to wear masks. We would supply masks. We bought in a quantity, a good quantity of masks, and we've joined forces with the sexual violence clinic to ask people: Would they then, instead of paying for masks, we're not asking anybody to pay, but maybe they contribute towards the clinic, towards the violence centre, um, uh, in, in return to getting a mask? And if they would mind wearing a mask in the shop, you gave them a mask and you asked them for a contribution for Mary Crilly's yeah, organisation, exactly, a euro exactly, or two euro exactly. or something. And how did they react to that? Yeah. Well, like most people were happy to do it. Most people were happy. A few people were unhappy. Some one person said, "No, she wasn't. She wasn't. There was no legal requirement for her to do it, so she'd leave." So, I mean, before she left, before I had time to say to her that, you know, if you're uncomfortable about wearing a mask, um, you just we'd prefer if you'd only stay ten minutes in the shop. Yeah, and yeah. that's what we said to other people. That's what we did say to other people. They didn't like people who stayed long enough to hear the end of the sentence. And we have signs up if they want to read that. Like we're not blocking anybody from coming into the shop, but we like I have to be sort of aware and I have to make sure that I'm looking after my staff and my customers when they come in. I want them relaxed and feeling safe. But then there was a backlash on Facebook, was it? Yes. Yes, there has been quite, yeah, there's been a call to boycott us. Now, that's very upsetting after being closed for three months. Now, there's a call to boycott the shop. If we continue to ask people, or maybe I think generally to boycott the shop. Do you know what I mean? No, I haven't seen that and I haven't seen, you know, any evidence of that. It's up on Facebook, right? So it's up on Facebook. If people look, they can see it. And there's been a sort of a, uh, how would I say, an interaction between customers and I don't know if they're not customers or people who have decided to discuss this particular issue whether we should be entitled to ask people or not and how dare we and then some people are saying they feel okay, they feel safe in the shop and they know we're trying to look after our customers we're not trying to make any money out of it or in fact like it's a risk it's a risk, I knew it was a risk when we were going to do it but the whole last three months have been a major risk anyway do you know what I mean and I feel obliged and I feel morally bound to make sure that my staff feel comfortable and safe yeah, yeah. and the customers as well. Now, I didn't expect that if people felt uncomfortable wearing a mask and they want to go somewhere else, I didn't feel that they'd be trying to get our shop closed down and buy cutters. Well, it, you don't, you don't, don't, this kind of stuff, the backlash that you're, it only takes one or two people or even just one person to yeah. start that, you know? And it, yeah, what, know. what are, what are people saying? How dare you? There's no legal requirement. It's a disgrace. Yes, yeah, that sort of thing. There's no legal requirement. How dare you? And it's absolutely about our, our rights and we have our right to wear what we want and you can't tell us what to wear and this sort of stuff, you know what I mean? Now there are people answering back saying, well you know, what about safety and you know we've been, um, it has been recommended by our health advisors to wear masks and I mean like as as well as looking after staff, our customers we're doing our bit for what we feel is keeping the virus down where like, but people there are some people aren't happy with us and they, but the advice is to wear masks when shopping in shops. Yeah, yeah. that's so, exactly it. And like, we're not asking them to wear them out in the street. Just it's at the door when they're coming in. Do you know of any and other like, businesses that are making it a, a requirement? No. no, I don't really. I suppose to be honest, it has been a very busy few months, and I haven't really like I made this decision myself for the safety of my staff and for our customers. I like I didn't feel the need to collaborate with other businesses because I feel I had What's to take responsibility. What's the big deal? Like? Put the mask on. You're giving it to them. Just yeah, exactly. I mean, I just, and I, I did say, like, if you, if you have a medical issue or, you know, if you have a, a problem or felt panicked, then just yeah. come in for 10 minutes. Are you bothered you by this go, that people might? Oh, you're very upset. Very upset. I mean, like, things are very, like, retail is on its knees. 
things that okay we had a good uh, online business but like and that, that kept us going and I was able to keep everybody employed and I haven't been able haven't needed to go for any help or government help or anything everybody's been paid by me nice. but <clears throat> something like this now at the end of it after and I mean I have to say it was brutal for the few months absolutely brutal closing the shops were brutal um, having the staff coming into work even though they came in they were nervous coming in there wasn't a lot of people coming in they, you know it was there was a lot of trying to support people and trying to work together as a team to make sure that like, we had huge demand. People wanted our product. We wanted to look after our customers. Then you don't expect the first day that you open up that people start lashing at you and asking to boycott your shop. As if, like, it's hard enough to keep a retail going now. And, I'd li- like, like, are they going to come in and tell me to my face or are they just going to all do it behind my back and face? Well, unfortunately, that's the viciousness of Facebook. You see, you have that anonymity. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like, I am... Like, I, I'm happy to say, you know, if somebody wants to tell me what they feel, but I'll have to say to them, am I to put you, your feelings over the safety of my staff and my customers? I know. And I know. like, I suppose I didn't consult other people. I admit that. I didn't consult other businesses because I just felt I had to do what was right myself. Well, I think and you I went the extra, I think you went the extra, no, the extra yard because you didn't say to people, unless you have a mask, you can't come in. You said, you're more than welcome to come in and we'll provide you with a mask because the recommendation is that people should wear masks indoors when shopping. Yeah, and it's for protecting everybody. It's really not about yourself. When you're wearing the mask, you're thinking of, I'm looking to look after my neighbour, my colleague, my team member, my fellow shopper. You're just looking after other people. And why can't we look after other people? Don't look at at that silliness, you know, just forget about it. Just ignore it. You know, well, I think I feel like the only thing is like one of my staff members told me that they were on and there was a call on one Facebook um, to say, let everybody go on and let's together go on and post a lot of posts and uh, try and get them boycotted. So, like, there's obviously some a group who feel the need to try and boycott us okay, now well, to get other people to turn yeah, against well, us. Well, that'll all fizzle out. Let's get people to actually support your business rather yes. than threatening to boycott it and, and let them know that... Look, yeah. And can't, can't we look after each other after the, three, the last three months we've had? Can't we look out for each other? Yeah. Why can't we be looking out for each other now instead of going against each other. I, I'm, I'm, do you know what? I'm very disappointed. I, I mean, I feel the last three months have been really difficult and really frightening. And you open up the door and you find it's more frightening when you open up the door. I'm really disappointed. Well, it I only mean, takes one person to start that chain, yeah. you know, so bear that in mind. But, this is not a general yeah. sentiment amongst the society. Mm-hmm. You'll always attract yeah, my, people to a cause. And I bet you, like, there'll be plenty of people who'll say... No, they wouldn't agree with that at all. And I mean, they're happy to wear the mask. And I bet you there will be. And we had plenty of people yesterday. But obviously, not everybody. Okay, well, forget about about them. And let it be known that uh, there are masks available. If you want to give a contribution to to the Sexual Violence Centre. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're we're going to continue. And I think it is is a, a charity very close to our heart and one that needs money now. So okay, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna like, take a look at some of those just mm-hmm. those Facebook pages just out of more out of curiosity than anything else. But good luck going forward, and you're open for business, and people right. who want to go in yeah. can 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 shop safely. Yeah. And, and a mask will welcome, be we're really looking forward to seeing all our customers again. Well done, thanks for that. We really are. As always, okay, thank, thank you. you. Take care, much. John thank Lucy you. from Vibes and Scribes. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. It's true to say, you know, you get people to support all sorts of causes, and you know, somebody starts a thread like that, you won't belong before other people join in. Uh, mind you, you know, what could actually happen now is that other people will go onto Facebook and they'll, they'll also contribute 
messages of support to Vibes and Scribes because we need to support Cork businesses. This business of threatening to boycott a business. As she said it all before, I have to repeat what she said. She said it very elo- eloquently herself. Our lines are open. Just a fast call because Tony's been waiting an age. Tony. Hi, Nick. My apologies for holding it. I don't have long body in regards. Yeah, Kerry was 28 days COVID-free, and that meant that it was a COVID-free county. And then overnight, we heard that they had two positive cases. So that's... That's correct. That's gone, right? You wanted to comment on that? I, I did want to comment. I want to know who are they? Who brought it in? I don't want to know their names on here. I need to identify them. Are they tracing it? I believe they're not tracing it because I don't believe they've got the know-how and the correct systems up. And what my biggest fear of all this, all this tracing and everything has been handled by at these three dreaded letters from me, HSE. Now, there are brilliant people in HSE, the Tony Holands in this world, and people up front, and lots of people in the background, great nurses, doctors. But they are tracing, and they will be able to trace uh, the contact trace. they, though? Will they hide behind, oh, we can't divulge that personal information and that? Uh, that should be very, very easily traced. They should have all that information to hand right now. But you don't want the names of the people who tested? No, no. no I don't want to make You just want to know, did they come in from outside the country? Did they come in from outside the county? Outside the county. Yeah. Did they come from Cork? I don't care. I'm a Cork man. I want to know, where did they come from? How did this happen? Who were these people? What had, where did they get it from? That's how they do the tracing and go back, back, back. But they're not doing that. I, I, I know someone who got it now, okay, it was first month in, and they worked in a certain shopping centre, and they were on the information desk, and it's a family member, and she got the COVID, and they said, where are you working? She told them on the information desk, and they said, oh, you wouldn't contact too many people, we couldn't trace your contacts. Now, okay, possibly they couldn't, but no, couldn't. members either. No. Yeah, but this is what happened, honestly. Family member, I know it's a fact. So this is what's been going on. Now, maybe they couldn't trace everyone, but they could trace everyone that she worked with in the store and they weren't all tested. Okay, all right. You know, that that kind of thing has been going on. And look, she got a myriad of phone calls after she'd been proved. She got a positive result, was told isolate, was able to do at home. She wasn't too ill, thankfully. And she got a phone call about an hour later from a person saying, oh, you're positive. And my sister said to her, my sister, she said, oh, I got that information about an hour ago. Who told you that? I'm supposed to be the one telling you. I mean, come on. Uh, early days, a lot of confusion back then. There was. I appreciate that. Okay, I got it. We're doing well. They're doing brilliantly. I got it. Just fear. Okay, appreciate that. When the, the stuff settles. Maybe we could have done better. Well, oh. we could always do uh, There were areas that could have been done better, without a doubt. Okay, yeah, hindsight, as I said. I don't have to make the decisions. Thanks, Tony. Got to move on, my friend. Appreciate it all the same. Two positive tests in Kerry. Where are they? How do they get there? Recently, my husband, Stuart, asked you to call out a request for my 50th birthday, which you did, and it made my day. On top of that, you kindly sent a voucher for Rooster's Piri Piri, which extended the birthday celebrations nicely. Thank you for all your kindness. It was so much appreciated. God bless. Stay safe, says Pamela. It's always lovely when people say thank you, and thank you for that. I'd like to nominate my grandchildren for one of your vouchers, please. They've been so good during the restrictions, even though it's been difficult, stuck at home, out of routine, away from their friends. Thank God they're returning to some form of normality. I hope it continues, says Noreen and Balanine. Please consider our wonderful granddaughter in your giveaway. She's done all our shopping for her, so gran and her granddad. Since the virus started, we're very grateful. Her name is Zoe Kiley from Dublin Hill, and that's from Mary and Finbar Kiley. Please, could you lighten the mood up and wish my mom, uh, June Stewart from Bandon, a big happy 70th birthday. She's after a bad accident. She's coming back fighting. She's cocooning for three months, deserving.
deserves a great day. She's an avid listener. Give her a gift. I certainly will. I'd like to nominate my father for a voucher. A busy farmer working all day, keeping the country supplied, says Sean Flanagan and Killa. Can I nominate Linda Ford, a frontline worker who's not only working around the clock, but has been constant support to her family during these challenging times. I'd love for her to relax with a delicious pizza and a glass of vino, says Maria. Sounds good. Would you please give some of your uh, Oak Fire Pizza vouchers to Claire, Moraid and all the girls in the adult cystic fibrosis unit at the CUH. Since the pandemic started, no patients were able to go to the clinic or get their bloods done. So the girls have been doing home visits. It means they travel all over the county and sometimes further. They work 7.30am till at least 7pm and are always in brilliant form. Love the show, says Kevin O'Driscoll. Well done, well done girls. And one quick one. My brother and his wife for a pizza perhaps. They've been doing online gigs twice a week since the beginning. He gigs Friday nights under the name Tony Milner Musician. Half seven to half nine. They gig together then under the Velvet Tones Sunday night from eight to ten. They're keeping so many people entertained during this mad time. They put their heart and soul into it. Uh, hopefully they'll get their jobs back because uh, social distancing is delaying that in the pubs. But for now, they deserve a treat, says Tracy. So, job done. Out of time. This morning... We have Oak Fire Pizza vouchers. We still have some Rooster Peri Peri and we have some a- a Ramen Asian Street Food vouchers as well. We're getting very low in the voucher department, lads. I'm going to have to replenish the stocks. Have a good day and see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.